0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and this podcast brings you the audio experience of GameDev.TV. Now, let's get right into the podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast. My name is Murat. I'm a game designer slash programmer. I recently uh, got my master's degree in game design at the New York Film Academy. And uh yeah, that's a little bit about myself right there.
0: All right, awesome. And then what got you into game development? Were you always in love with games? Was it just like the next path?
1: I think it was the next path for me because I had always been in love with games. You know, all of us can attest to this. When we were younger, we were playing games since we were like born pretty much, you know. We were (laughs) enrolled in that world. Um, I joined the Air Force, and I was doing non-destructive inspection, which was basically checking for fatigue cracks on planes, making sure that they didn't fall out of the sky. And I enjoyed that, but at the same time, it was very stressful because I had to worry about that. And I wanted to go to college afterwards, so I was thinking, what would I do? I always had a passion in computers, and when I was searching, my wife, she wanted to come to L.A., And I was like, okay, let me see what the colleges are like over there. And my friend, he was like, you know what? It would be so cool to be like a video game designer or something like that. And I took his idea and I just ran with it. I was like, you know what? Yeah, why not? Like, I never thought of it, you know? Because I was like, how does one even get into that? (laughs) So I looked and the first thing I heard was get into programming. Like that was one of the big things was get into programming. So I looked at the art institutes. And I went into programming from there. And then afterwards, I felt like I still needed more refining. Mm -hmm. And I learned, actually, even in my master's program, you're still going to be refining your skill set. Like, even after school's done, you're still going to be doing that. So
0: It's never any journey.
1: No, it's not. And after the Art Institute, I went straight to my master's program and went to game design, and I've loved it ever since.
0: Dude, that's awesome.
1: I think the tool we usually use is be a lifetime learner yes you know it's it's crazy because video games if you look back in the past you've got like uh pac-man right you've got like uh the the pinball games all this. My days again yeah yeah but you know you look at it now and it's slowly turning into movies like these are interactive movies that we're basically playing i mean like when i was playing god of war it was so different from mm-hmm. the previous god of war titles it was pretty much like a, a movie. I was playing a game. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is God of War." But then I was sitting through cutscenes, just like you know, Kojima and his Metal Gear series, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a thing that, just like if you're a movie director, writer, you have to know everything in game design. Mm-hmm. You have to know your narrative. You have to know your art direction, your level design, uh, every type of character on there, like everything. So that's what makes it really immersive i guess as a job you're balancing everything
0: yeah that's so why you gotta be a lover of all things like that when i was younger i was like i love everything but i don't know what to do with that maybe be an engineer and now i'm like oh game design it's basically you need to know everything to create it in your games so i'm like yeah let's do that and um i love how all these games nowadays like the creative directors they're not just like directing just the game design but like everything beyond the emotions like for instance god of war like that takes so much motion capturing art design programming going back and forth putting on a show when they go to like e3 and all the music and it's just it's it's wild and if you do it right it's i honestly think it's a better experience than movies because you're actually in the game in the world in the experience
1: yes yes and that's the amazing part and i can only wait until vr gets better you know because mm-hmm. right now i still feel like it's uh, at its adolescent stage you know when we had well Actually, the VR that I saw in college uh, started back in the 80s, like early 80s, before Nintendo, before that crazy Mm -hmm. Virtual (laughs) Boy, right? And uh, I feel like when the Virtual Boy came out, that was pretty much at its fetus stage. You know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't even, like, developed properly. But now with VR, can you imagine, like, just being in this immersive world? You go in there and you're playing it and you're living that world. You are the actor, you know mm-hmm. that's that's amazing.
0: I heard the new yeah. Half-Life VR game was really good.
1: Oh okay, I yeah, haven't seen like, it.
0: You know, oh, it's it's apparently supposed to be like one of the best like VR stories. Oh like, man, yeah. So I, I have to check it out too.
1: Yeah, I want to check it out.
2: I mean, uh, VR getting big makes me sad that MMOs are in a all-time low, really, because a VR MMO would be interesting.
1: It would be. It would be very interesting. It'd be fantastical, too. Imagine, uh, I feel like, you know, that movie, uh, what was it with Bruce Willis? Was it Singularity? Do you remember that one? The one where, like, they basically people would be in VR headsets and they would uh, have this autonomous Surrogates. robot living their life. Surrogates. Surrogates. There we go. Perfect. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I feel like that's what it would be like, though, <laughs> if we had an MMO virtual reality. No, it would be the I think quarantine that'd be cool. without the virus.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. See, they should have had it right now. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you were starting to learn programming, how was that? Was it like impossible oh, at first? You were like, I don't know what I'm doing. You kind know of how I felt when I started.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's crazy. It's um, those memes are true. I don't know if you've seen them, where it shows like uh... I have built fire, and you're so amazed of it, and like it's nothing, and you're always failing. And it, that's how it feels like in programming. It's like either you've got it or you don't. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and it's not and it's not to be discouraging or anything like that because yeah. there's going to be a lot of failing in programming. It's just one of those processes that you just have to keep on doing and doing. But uh, when I first got into it, I was like, what the heck is an int? <laughs> and I was like, what are all these functions and methods? What? What is... A declaration? is this a, a independence? member? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, a That's private a member variable? But uh, yeah, so some people, though, it's crazy. Um, we had a couple of students. They had no programming experience at all, and they picked it up like that. It was just something. You know, like something in their mind was able to click, and they were able to pick it up. For me, I was it was always like a struggling thing. I would do it, and then I would uh, move on to the next thing, and then come back and be like, oh, no. I forgot what is this, and then I would yeah, have to do yeah. it again. Yeah, yeah, and
0: like, uh, oh, I kind of know it, but eh.
1: but the best best thing I could say for people who are getting into programming is find yourself a mentor. And another thing too is also you have a, unlimited resources nowadays. You have YouTube, you have the game dot uh, game dev dot net that you guys have the TV Oh,
0: wait, dot TV? TV TV
1: yeah dot TV yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you have the Udemy. So there's a lot of sources <laughs> out there that you can just like practice and practice and learn and the best thing is is don't try to uh copy what the other person is doing basically try to learn from them and turn it off and try it yourself you know basically Mm -hmm. practice it and do it that way because if you just keep copying uh you're gonna be what do they call it the uh cut paste programmers the copy paste Mm -hmm. programmers you know where they just copy code put it in there and hope it works and Mm -hmm. then realize when they link it up with someone else's it doesn't work (laughs) Yeah. Uh, or
0: they try to change it and they're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I, I just It works, but I don't know what anything means. That's, that's yeah. happened to me before when I first started. I was like, oh, I made this game. And I was like, did I know? Did I really make it? <laughs> but, did I just copy and paste? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and the crazy thing is is it's uh, you have to, in the video game world, you have to optimize. Mm-hmm. It's optimization in your code is the most essential part of gaming ever, because otherwise you get Lag, or you'll get memory leaks, like you did in Batman. Uh, I I believe what was it, Batman: Arkham Knight? There was a memory leak where, like, when you played, yeah, when you played the game, it would save into your RAM, and it would just keep doing it until your computer just crashed. So, yeah, yeah. So you have to be. Probably Russian production. You never oh, know. God, it's like... So
3: easy though. <laughs>
1: <I> <laughs> mean, it really
3: is. How long yeah. have I been telling you, Kevin? Like over the last several weeks, as I've been like digging deep into how the you know standard temperate library works. How much I've been telling you, like how elegantly it is designed, because there is exactly one place in the entire STL where memory is allocated. The mm. fact that that statement can be made is 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 gloriously like descriptive of how perfect that system is designed right i mean that kind of brilliance is like the institutional knowledge of all programming from the last four decades basically Wow. Well, uh, yeah and then you got to get into design patterns too yeah sorry yeah. for hijacking the, the thing i mean no like no exactly actually, what no. you're saying is like right on the point i mean it's just it's incredible
1: no, no, I actually uh, chime in, man, because uh, I'm pretty sure you you and uh, Ricardo have really vast knowledge in programming. You guys sound like you guys have been doing it for a while. Um, what was it? I was going to say, um, yeah, design patterns are a very integral part in programming. And also understanding the graphical side of programming. It's just like game design, right? There's like so yeah. many different niche, niches inside game design. Same with programming. You have like the server-side stuff, the backend, you know, the front-end stuff. Uh, when you're working on classes, which ones are going to be structs? Which ones are going to be like private? You know, you don't want people touching your code or anything like that. Um, yeah, there's oh the big O notation, right? Optimization. Mm-hmm. You 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 guys work with Unreal, correct? Yes. Yeah, have you guys, uh, everybody's pushing for the blueprints, and the blueprints are nice, they're nice, but you really want to stay in that low-level C++, because when you start looping things in classes, they take more computation power, more, uh, you know, big O. the big O gets uh, gets really big and that, yeah. and expensive, than the computation and stuff, so, yeah, oh, okay. be careful with that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I gotta watch out for that. Ben goes through some of that in the uh, Unreal C++ course. But it's nice to hear. Oh yeah, Ben Tristan. In. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ben yeah, Tristan. Tristan. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, I like that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He's awesome. <laughs>
3: yeah. 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 Yeah, I think some of that kind of stuff is is really fascinating when it comes to like how you measure big O notation. Like for example, if you're iterating a container that's a linear container, that's O right o of n because the amount of time that it's going to take to iterate that container is linear if okay. you if the element you're searching for is element 50 of of 100 it's going to take 50, 50 to, it, to find it right, right. You know, if yeah. it's 75 right. it's going to take 75 if it's yeah yeah if, you know when you start getting into some of the details of why you choose one container over others and how you iterate them and the different performance characteristics, like, you know, linear is great until you get to a certain point, at which point then, you know, split sorting works better or parallelizing things helps, you know, there's so yeah. many things that go into that. It's, it's awesome stuff.
1: No, yeah, it is. And that's the thing I want to tell everybody who wants to, like, get into programming. It's, it's uh, I guess I could put it in this kind of analogy. It's like climbing up a mountain, right? And when you climb up the mountain, it could be difficult, but you'll you'll eventually get to the top. And when you look, you're like, yeah, I'm good. And then you look, and there's a taller mountain. And you just have to keep climbing up. <laughs> and, and that's and that's what it is. It's, yep. uh, programming is like that because you'll learn something, and you'll think that you're really good at it, and then you'll come back to it like a month later, and you'll say, oh, wow, I could optimize this way better. And this code could have been later. way better. <laughs> yeah, even that too. I've heard that a lot. Sorry, I dropped something. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's yeah, that's code exactly. I wrote yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to get into programming in uh, in the game design field, definitely like just practice, practice, practice. And if you just want to learn a little bit about it, that's good too. Like I would say, uh, do the basic programming, you know, uh, the gameplay design, any of those kind of programming features in there. And then uh, you know, like I said, find a mentor and uh, get a little bit better at it. Mm-hmm.
0: And then we also learning programming. What else did you learn? Did you learn game design.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, okay, okay. So uh, the art institute. It was game programming. So initially, we used, uh, I wish the basic programming courses were a lot longer, but uh, it, you know they were like pretty much just trying to push us through. And then we went to uh, game production, which was a full-fledged game production place where we learned agile development, which is called Scrum. And agile development, you have these, like, daily stand-ups, which should last no longer than, like, two minutes if you have, like, a small crew. And uh, basically, we learned prototyping. uh, Well, first, actually, we learned how to get along with each other (laughs) and deciding what game we wanted to make. And then after we got into our teams, we learned about prototyping. We would pick either Unity or Unreal, whichever one was uh, comfortable with that. Uh, We mainly focused, well, originally we focused on Unity and then we went with Unreal for our third-person shooter game, which was pretty fun. Uh, That one, there was a couple of nightmares that happened in that, but it was still a really solid game. I liked it. Um, But when I got into my,
3: huh? Fun bit of trivia, the word scrum. That is uh, in rugby, the clustering of guys uh, (laughs) at the beginning of the session. Right where everybody like is huddled up with their arms and shoulders crossed. Oh, yep. you know, and, yeah, that is a scrum. I and didn't that is, know that. That term was chosen because that's what a scrum meeting should be like. You should be there to like just say what's blocking you and what's next, and then you're off and, and playing your game.
1: That makes sense because I was just joking around and saying, oh, it must be scrumptious. So that's like... <laughs> <laughs> no, but that that totally makes sense. But yeah, yeah I learned.
2: I learned that from friends because there's this episode that Ross plays rugby.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, and he gets all jacked up. I remember that. That was hilarious. Didn't Rachel beat him up or something like that in that episode?
2: No, that's the one they play football.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay. I thought she, like, hurt him because he was already jacked up. Um, but yeah, you got you to gotta learn Scrum, especially even when you get into the uh, environment, studio environments. They, they do that all the time. Agile Development, uh, Jira, Confluence, uh, Trello. There's, there's so many tools out there that you use to uh, keep track of things. So people should be familiarized with that. Uh, I use uh, Jira and Confluence and Trello, if you guys are familiar with those ones. Um, I
0: haven't heard of Confluence.
1: Confluence, it's basically like planners. Jira is the same thing. Confluence, you can set up your uh, game design document, and that's a okay. pinnacle part, because that's basically going to be the guideline, the, uh, the Bible for your game. Um, you've probably seen several of those. They're about mm-hmm. maybe 30 to 60 pages, and then they get broken down even more, like if you go into the technical documents for the programmer... Or for the artist or stuff like that.
3: Yeah, the content lists and all of that kind of stuff, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, because you got to break down everything into milestones. So when you're doing Scrum, you break it down to the smallest uh, feature, and so that way, like say, like if you're working on uh, character controls, right, uh, you can iterate it, and it'll probably take you like maybe a day to make character controls.
3: So, so you, you work, work in
1: sprints. Yeah, we worked in yeah. sprints. And right. I did that in my undergrad, and I did that in my master's program. It's just something that people have to look into. It's called Agile Development Scrum. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Because the other method was Waterfall Method, but that's mainly towards regular businesses. Uh, the oh. difference between uh, the Agile Development is we go through iterations, just like a for loop. You go, you do it, and then you iterate, <laughs> redo it again, do it again, mm-hmm.
3: do it again. There's- <laughs> There's actually a couple of other methodologies as well that people are somewhat familiar with. There's Lean, which is mm-hmm. about uh, about uh, a very specific kind of, of of product development. Like you know exactly what all of the requirements are, and you do absolutely nothing but exactly what it takes to get there, which is also known as MVP or Minimal Viable Product. Bethesda is well known for going through MVP <laughs> development. Really.
1: That makes sense. Why uh, their games are the way they are.
3: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh... No, that is actually a legitimate criticism against them that that, yeah. that many people have held.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Well,
4: just kidding.
2: There. You can still hire me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Please, guys.
1: Still, no. just kidding. It was a please. funny joke. Uh, another one. Uh, isn't it Cobol? Is another one. It's mainly used for artists. Am I mistaken by that? Are you familiar
3: with that? Cobol is a or not. It's an old business programming language.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I know that. There's a oh, what is it called? Shoot, it starts with a K, I think. But anyways, there's another one for artists. Um, I I would have to look it up or something. I forgot what it was, but um, basically, it's like you have a, a longer period. It's more for like artists from what I hear, and it's like, if they need to draw a character design, uh, they can give you like a estimate of when they're gonna draw it, but usually you give them a little bit of a leeway
3: well, I was reading actually um, an article a while back. I think it was on Gamma Sutra where they were talking about the you know the different methodologies, and they were specifically interviewing uh, development folks at Blizzard. And Blizzard uses kind of a hybrid of both Agile Scrum and then also Waterfall. And they said primarily the waterfall was for the artists because. They're going to be working from the, you know, like you said, that design document at the first is going to explicitly say we need 50 characters, right? And they're going mm-hmm. to get started on that immediately. And they're like a production chain that'll eventually produce that artwork. Right. And that doesn't need to be quite as agile as, for example, the game design like you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's very true. That's very true. And uh, that's what we would go through, you know. Um... When we were in class, you would have some people that had their strong suits. My friend, George, uh, who's part of uh, the company that we're trying to create, a uh, phenomenal programmer, and his strong suit was, I would like to say, everything. But uh, he would mainly focus on programming because he could optimize very well and he would be able to lead us into like the right direction. But then we'd have some people that all they wanted to do was just art or photogrammetry. Like we had one student, he loved uh, photogrammetry. So he would be out taking pictures and trying to get real-world representation of textures and stuff like that. Uh, we had other ones that would just focus mainly on 2D and concept. So, but the the thing is, is like like I said, as a game designer, you want to learn a little bit of everything because once you actually go into a studio, from what I hear, they just put you in where you need to be, and you're just doing that. And there's no like you're going around. I mean, I'm sure your ideas can flow around in the workplace and everything, but if you're like a programmer you're going to be staying in programming land for a while because that's where they want you, you know. Especially if you're really good at it, they're just going to be like, yeah, stay here.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, that's pretty much what I heard from our last interview. It's like, once your game is done, that's it. That's all you do. And if you have questions, go and ask anybody else. That's why all those companies want people who specialize. It's, yes, that's why it's yes. like, if you want to do something where it involves everything, it's more like make your own game, make your own studio, do your own yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, see... That's where, uh, you remember you were asking me about that quote, uh, the Jack of all trades, master of uh, one, right? Oh, that, yeah. was from, that was from my teacher, Josiah Ruiz. And he, I've never met anybody like him. He was like super dedicated, like way intelligent. It was crazy. But he basically was saying like, yeah, learn everything, but be good at one thing. Like be really good at that one thing, but learn everything. It's, yes, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. That's actually yeah, the that quote. original quote, by the way. Is, Is that the really? original
1: quote? Somebody just changed it up?
2: Yeah. That's <laughs> what so we... you were supposed to be. You were supposed to be very good at something, but be able to like fix your car and, and stuff.
1: So we got lazier. The,
2: the old man. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it became an excuse. It's like, don't learn yeah. everything because then you'll be master of none.
2: Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's really good insight.
0: Dang. we got to bring it back. Yeah, more by I teacher. agree. It we got
3: to take that one
1: back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah master of one. Hell yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure.
2: We
0: have that yeah, I Mike mean,
3: you still
2: talk, talk to, to people. people. <laughs> like, you're in the office, you're going to talk to people. They're, even if it's just for a coffee, like they're going to listen. If, yeah. if you give them a good idea, they might do it. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, that's the thing. You know, um, with a lot of programmers, they're they're very shy. A lot of the programmers that I oh, was yeah. working with, they're very shy. And the thing is, is that kind of hinders them because they're good-hearted people. They love video games just as much as you do. They're just uh, not as expressive. They're, like, more focused, you know? And maybe that's why they love programming so much is because they don't get bothered. They're just like, let me just program. But um, it is good to just go around talk to people, see what they do, even in HR, go bug the HR rep, you know, because they're the one that's gonna give you the time off anyways, right? (laughs) So just go bug them, you know, learn stuff, um, get them interested, because I'm pretty sure when people join the business, even if they're not a game designer, a programmer, an artist, you know, they love games too. They're joining it because of the business. I had a teacher, he was a marketing teacher for Bad Company and Medal of Honor, and he loved video games, you know? he was amazed by it. So he worked for EA for a little bit, and that was his bread and butter, was playing video games and learning yeah. it. And uh, when, out.
2: I, when I interviewed that CD Projekt Red, uh, the HR person who talked to me, she was way into video games. So, yeah.
1: That's what it should yeah. be, yeah. Yeah, that's what it should be, exactly.
2: You're not going to last in the industry if you don't like it. No, it's, that's true. I mean, that's all people... I mean, you already talk about video games all the time, outside of work now think of people actually working and making games
1: yeah why not make it a career and you know what there's a stark difference between someone who plays video games versus someone who creates it and I've noticed it it's uh you know because like someone who plays video games they are like why can't this be in there why can't this be in there oh this sucks blah 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 you know they can't really mm-hmm. like explain why it sucks they just mm-hmm. say it sucks and it's not their fault you know it's just how it is with anything we watch a movie that sucks we're like eh, it sucks why does it suck i didn't like it <laughs> you know but <laughs> when it comes to like a designer when you're playing the game you're like oh i could have done this better oh i really like this feature oh i wonder how they did this you know it's really nice and you're even playing games that are not all that great you know and you're wondering why they're not all that great and what could be better in it you know like you want to you know like you look at the old games from uh Aaron's days right there, the, the the collisions were horrible. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that would have been a simple fix for the sprite. But no, they made the collision so high that it's getting hit by everything. Mm. Hint, hint, Silver Surfer.
0: Uh, <laughs> I never played that one, but I heard about it.
1: Yeah, yeah I just you watched can, it
4: from
0: you, the angry
1: video. But you your. can
2: still find some, I mean, if you understand more, you can find some redeeming qualities in pretty bad games.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except Except E.T. E.T. No, no, you know what, dude? <laughs> I feel I feel really bad. Uh, there was a video we watched where they were uncovering the lost uh, cartridges in, I believe it was Nevada. Yeah. And uh, that poor programmer, man, I think, what did he have, like, uh, six weeks? Yeah, it was for...
2: insane.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, you know, yeah, to make the game. Uh, they gave him, like, six weeks or something like that. It was crazy. But, uh... When I think of that, and I think of going to school and making a project within 15 weeks or sometimes eight weeks, in our undergrad it was, I believe it was eight weeks, no, 11 weeks, and I think about like how our game came out and it wasn't fully completed. I mean, E.T. wasn't fully completed either, but I just think about that and I'm like, he actually did a pretty good job, guys. Cut him some slack. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, not no, bad. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's hard. I
0: tell a lot of people about all these games. I'm like, come on, you guys don't understand what it's like.
1: Sure, yeah. they could have made
0: better business decisions, but they didn't. So
1: Yeah. And some people think that. some people <laughs> think ET is the reason why the gaming industry kind of crashed during that time. But it wasn't that. It was basically there were so many games that were coming out and it was just flooding the market that it was oversaturated. That that was the you know, one of the underlying causes of that crash. And then Nintendo... That's why you got Nintendo's seal of approval. Yeah, it's a symptom. And that's why Nintendo came up with that seal of approval and were very, like, uh, particular about how many games you could release in a year. So. Yeah, but some games still came out without it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Yeah, the the hack cartridges, like the the Bible game, right? <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. You know,
1: those guys... Uh, those guys, you look at them, the reason why they're programmers is because they had those computers back then and England was notorious for that. So they were like, you know, because you go online and you look at a lot of like programming tutorials. Who are they? English people. They're like, today we're going to learn about programming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, they're cool. Well, I, I yeah,
1: English. they're
0: cool. But, um, let's go more back into the teacher and like what else did he teach in that class and like what's important to learn while learning game design
1: okay, so uh Josiah he was more in programming, so we would learn yep. about um you know colliders, we learned about buoyancy for like you know if you're like making a an ocean type game, we'd learn about shaders uh, OpenGL, directx uh stuff like that, so he was more on the programming side, and then we would have uh. I believe every Wednesday, if it was every Wednesday or Thursday, we would have uh, basically our production class where we'd come in and we'd have students from the art side come in to our class and we would start working on our games that way. And basically the game would carry on. If, If the game was good enough and the teachers approved it, it would carry on to the next thing. And, you know, they would always encourage us like, hey... Uh, try to show this, showcase this at Indiecade, or you know, like show this to other people. You know, show them your work and everything like that. So that was that was very encouraging. Not only were they like saying like, oh, just build your game for a grade. It was like, no, like while you're doing this, build up for a portfolio because you're going to be showing this stuff. So make sure a lot of people get to see what you're doing, and you know, you explain what you're doing. So that was really cool about that. Um, we would have some level design classes. But they weren't as robust as my master's class, and that's where it really differed for me. Because when I ended up going into my master's program, I thought I had known like quite a bit, like what I needed to know about game design. But they just like really fine tuned it, and it was simply because a lot of the people that were teaching there were in the industry for like 20 plus years. Like they had been accolades. Like uh, one of the professors that I wanted to show you. He uh, worked on Fear Effect. Um, no. Have you heard of that game, Fear Effect? No. It, it was a game that it came out PlayStation game? One. Yeah, it came out from Eidos. It's a PlayStation One game, and that was actually a revolutionary time because their protagonist was a uh, a female character, which there weren't as many, you know, other than Laura Croft for Tomb Raider and uh, Jill Valentine. But you know, they had they had more people in that, and then. Um, what else did he do? He oh, he also worked on Pokemon Go. He worked oh, on really? Pokemon, yeah, oh, for Niantic, cool. and he's he also worked on Jurassic World, the uh, the most recent game that just came out what a couple of years ago.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
1: it's the one there in place. Yeah. So John Zerplatin, if if he's listening, thank you. He was a really good guy. And then we got some other ones too. Uh, Andy Ashcroft, he's a 20-some plus vet, and he's made uh, several games. Uh, he worked on God of War 2, Warhawk. Uh, another one is uh, Scott Rogers. And he's he's into board games, but he's also worked on God of War. Uh, he's worked on Pac-Man World, Maximo. Have you heard of that game, Maximo? That was a pretty popular yeah. game in the 90s. Yeah. And uh, he's actually got his uh, board game, Pantone, which is pretty cool. But see, when I got in there... The only board game I've ever played, I don't know about you guys, but the only board game I really played was, like, Monopoly, right?
0: Yeah, (laughs) Monopoly.
1: Yeah, Monopoly.
0: Um, Risk.
1: Risk is one of my favorite games. Yeah, Risk. I love Risk. But there's Mm -hmm. so much more out there, and I highly recommend anybody that's going into game design. The best way to understand the fundamentals of game design and rules... Is board games or card games right? card
3: games magic card, yeah <laughs> yeah, magic magic is like amazing you for get that. into rules lawyering that is the game to play
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and that's the thing um you want to because like when you're playing a digital game you don't get to see the rules you don't get to see the underlying like foundation structure that makes that game but when you're playing like i guess monopoly or you know like magic the gathering would be way better but when you look at those games, you see how they play and why you couldn't do this. Like if you were to like change up a rule, and it ends up breaking the game, well now you know why. It's because you added some rule that doesn't work in it, you know. So uh, play as many board games as you can, and especially now that we're in this like uh, quarantine, it's like the best time. Go on Amazon, support board game you know people, and like buy their games and play, you know, and play Which with them. What game family. you recommend?
3: Oh man. Oh. <sighs> Love I think. got one. Go ahead. Okay. Guillotine. 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 Here, let me turn my camera on All right. so that you guys can see it. I just got a copy of it uh, from Amazon the other day. It's oh, nice. Paul Peterson game, okay? So uh-huh. the purpose of this game, I'll, I'll go ahead and open it up here, is that you've got a, a man who operates the guillotine, right? Well, here on. we go. There's a <laughs> <Yeah>. guillotine, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So... What we do is we've got a bunch of cards, and on the cards are different people, like this should be like Marie Antoinette or something. <laughs> These are all from the French Revolution, right? Yeah. So there's royals, there's militaries, there's civilians, they're all different kinds of cards, and each of them has a number on it. This this one is worth five points. And so the purpose of the game is that you have a line of cards in front of the guillotine. And during your turn, you can play action cards that manipulate the order of the line. At the end of your turn, you collect whatever head is at the guillotine, and you get that many points. There are also things that you can do to interrupt other people's turns while they are collecting cards, for example. Like Mm -hmm. instant counter moves and all of that kind of stuff. One of my favorites. I just got a copy of it again, because they don't print it anymore, so I was really excited. (laughs) Really? I gotta (laughs) check
1: that out, because that's actually really cool. I like that concept. Um, Um. what was it? Uh, Yeah. So so like uh, when you're playing a lot of those board games and everything, uh, Magic the Gathering is great for this. And Mm. this is for like the narrative perspective, flavor text, like Mm. they'll have like little things on the bottom that kind of is like descriptive of the world. And that's really good for immersion. So like when you're a game designer, you're looking at everything like what he's just said, the theme you know, it's guillotine. Yeah, you're cutting off people's heads, right? But it's mm-hmm. during the French Revolutionary War, so it's like, you're in a setting, now you're feeling like, oh, I am in this setting. I'm in France, you know? And then you're having fun, and I bet you, you know, you probably said wee-wee when you cut off head yeah. in that game, right? <laughs> but, uh, like, oh, so. that's, yeah, yeah, so when you're playing a game, like, um, like, I liked Werewolf. Werewolf is not really much oh, of a Oh, so game. good. Yeah, Werewolf's a great game. Oh, yeah. uh, there's also Salem. Uh, which is another one of werewolf. Uh I played all of That
3: White Wolf stuff was really good. Yeah, yeah. Fire stuff as well. Yeah. I had so many friends who played all of those. And then uh what's the
1: game where you have to find Mr. X? See, I'm not like super super uh good on memorization. It's um It's like a Sherlock's home game. Oh, come on. Clue. No, no. It's... Oh, I played Clue. Clue
3: is good. Um, I mean, the only game I can think of that, you know, sounds familiar to that, where in the world is Carmen San Diego?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably
3: the inspiration for Scotland Yard.
1: <laughs> yeah, Scotland Yard. Yeah, yeah. No, Scotland Yard is fun. And I'm going to tell your, uh, your listeners later on why Scotland Yard. Like, I played it to death and you get, like, bored of it <laughs> if you play a game to death. But as a game designer, you have to. You know, you have to play the game. You have to learn everything about it. And actually, I'm just going to tell now, you know, you were saying like something about like what your your listeners can do if they're starting out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, pick a game uh, for the beginners. Pick a pick a board game and change a mechanic in it. Just change a mechanic in it. uh, Add some flavor text, some story as to why the mechanic is the way it is and see if it works in the game. If it doesn't, you know, change it up to where it can work in the game. Uh, but make sure that it doesn't exceed the game. You know, like make the game way longer than it should be. Because typically, a board game shouldn't be, unless you're playing like Risk or anything like that. Like a regular board game should be about forty-five minutes to an hour. You know, like you don't want to go way past that, or you don't want to go like Candyland where it's super yeah. short, like that. You know, uh, that's a that's well, monopoly goes a,
0: for like ten hours. I don't know. Yeah, the breaking well, the rules.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you break the rules, it's the game's going to go a lot longer, and you know. <laughs> To each their own. If your your friends are enjoying it and they're having a blast, it's fun, you know, just do that. Um,
2: Monopoly has a a tendency that gets to a point that only one or two people are having fun.
1: Yeah, and then everybody's like, okay, come on, guys, come on. I have like
2: $5, yeah, sure, go on. Yeah, 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 you have $5,000, okay, go on. on
1: yeah yeah and then another another thing i would say for your listeners if they want to do more advanced stuff is find something in your house you know find something uh grab it and make a game out of it if it's like you know you get a bunch of cutlery Make a game out of a bunch of color if you have a bunch of plastic forks. Juggling and spoons. knives!
3: Yeah, something <laughs> like <not> that. Do not try <laughs> this at home, children. <laughs> but, you know, like, uh...
1: <laughs>
3: but, I mean, uh, basically
1: what you're trying to do is invoke that creativity. You know, like, just get that... The juices flowing. Create something. Uh, I got... When I was in class, they gave me paper clips. And I was like, what am I going to do with paper clips? How am I going to make it... They're like, figure it out. And so I made like a small little RPG game where I had each paperclip like a a faction. One were mages, the other ones were like you orcs.
0: The
4: no, they were already
1: colored. So I was I like, see, oh, though. yeah. So I was like, oh, the blue ones, they're gonna be mages. And I was just like working on that stuff. And then I created like hit points, and you just uh, play them with your friends and see what works. Like, um, just yeah, just do it. Because I remember I was playing with my friends and they were like, you know what? If you had objectives, I would like this game a little bit more rather than just like rolling and like making a hit. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Like, let me give some objectives for each player and see how that works. So, you know, you figure out what each person likes and then you see other games and you're like, oh, okay, this is how it works. So, there's a bunch of board games. Zombie Side, that was one that I enjoyed. Um, Oh, man. Uh, If you're looking into learning about puzzles, escape rooms. Are amazing escape rooms. Yeah, in Jackson are- they
0: opened up one before I left. The best escape room I've ever done. Like you actually feel like you're escaping from something because usually it's just a room and they put stuff up and you escape. But no, they had like this prison. Yeah. You're in two cells and you're separated. And you have to escape the cells, then you have to go through like this hidden wall and then it's like then you go to the all. It's like crazy stuff and it felt real. And I'm like, why have there are more escape rooms like this? Why do we not have VR games like this? Like this is so much fun.
1: Dude, but you're in the pinnacle now. You're in Los yeah. Angeles. There's so much. There's the Void. There's also two the bits. Void.
0: Okay. Yeah. Check the Void.
1: The Void is uh, near Disneyland. There's um, Two Bit Circus, and then uh, there's a bunch of uh, escape rooms. But the one that I remember was I did a study on it, and it was really good. Actually, me and my buddy both did a study on it on accident. Uh, it's up north. It's. Um, near santa clarita okay I believe yeah it's near there um uh, it's basically like a horror type one so if you just search it up in there, escape rooms in los angeles uh check it out yeah it's it's a really good one it's like what you were talking about it's very immersive like there's actually okay. actors and they're like help me help me or whatever don't do it right. so, and then yeah, they scare
0: yeah. you and stuff oh uh,
1: yeah I, I get scared easily so that's, <laughs> cool. that's good yeah. <laughs> save it for halloween
0: yeah. 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 My friend, he loves doing Halloween houses. So maybe I'll tell him about it because he loves all that stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then the cool thing is, is like when you're designing puzzles, mm-hmm. like uh, Gama Sutra is a really good one to get like sources on puzzles or like play some games that already do puzzles pretty well. Um, Jonathan Blow has the game The Witness. That one is pretty good for uh, puzzles, understanding that he, he loves puzzles. I mean, Braid was kind of a puzzle. It's kind of like a. Uh, what was it like Prince of Persia style, like rewinding time and everything? But um look at that. But you don't want to make puzzles like super tough, you know, to where only the game designer knows, like, ha ha, yeah. I know the secret to this puzzle.
3: And yeah, it's you need like to know
1: the entire Bible what- and like 50
3: bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right? That's what playtesting is for, though. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) playtest. When you're being too smart for your players. Yeah. It's one of those cardinal rules. You do not ever want the player to blame you for their failures. You want them to blame themselves. (laughs) Exactly.
1: And then another thing, too, it's a balancing act. Um, You want to treat your players like they're newbies, right? But you don't want to treat them in a way that offends them. Right, there's a lot of games. There's a lot of games that they hold your hand too much, and that bores players, especially ones that are experienced. So you you just want to give it, uh, give them enough clues, enough underlying knowledge to where they can accomplish the task without being frustrated, you know? And you don't want to tell them because then it just defeats the whole illusion. If you're just yeah. like, you know, most games uh, when you're playing tutorials, they hold your hand, right? But if you play like Bloodborne. Like, no, you're straight in there. You're like, oh, there's an enemy. Learn how to kill it, right? And then figure <laughs> yeah. it out as you go. Um, Miyamoto. Oh, good.
3: I was going to say, you just kind of inspired me of, of, to tell a story. And I keep on interjecting because it's like, no, go ahead, dude. Here.
4: No, no, no,
3: I'm cool with this, man. I, I'm cool. I just started. Uh, so. Uh, starting in like 2013 or something is when I started playing League of Legends played it for like five or six years and then took a break for the last three years and just installed it again the other day and apparently they added this new mode called Teamfight Tactics and it's it's kind of like a I don't know it's kind of like a board game in some ways where you strategically place characters of different kinds on a kind of a field and then they automatically fight each other but this is a really good example of of not too much hand-holding because pretty much the only description of this, I had no idea what it was, I just went ahead and played it. And it had one little screen that popped up and said, buy, place, fight. And that was it. That was basically the entire introduction to the game. And I went and played it. And it didn't really have any kind of a tutorial, but it was totally obvious what you were doing. You would drag your guys onto the board and you could drag them, you know. It was really fascinating because like you, anybody could pick this game up and figure out how to play it really easily. And, and there, just was, there was very little hand-holding there. They just basically said, buy, place, fight. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And, and there's yeah. so much depth to the game beyond that. I think that's the really interesting part about it is, yeah, it's really important that you don't insult your players.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, Miyamoto, he was phenomenal with that. I mean, with the original Mario, oh, it like taught right. you, you can only go one direction. Oh, there's an enemy jump on them or touch them, you die, you know, like it, like everything is like without explaining it, it's like obvious, you know, and that's what you mm-hmm. want to do. Like even with Zelda, right? Like when you first started out, you went down, he gave you a sword. The next one was there was an enemy The the level design was created in a way where there's like limited space and everything like that. So you just want to figure it out. And then um, when you're designing the game, there's so many layers to it. So there's sound clues, there's visual audio clues through particle effects. Uh, the the GUI of it, you know, you want to make sure that the user experience is amazing and it's set in the right place. Um, the players are not dumb; they'll figure it out. You know, uh, it's just like separating from non-experienced players to experienced players, and you just don't want to alienate the ones that are experienced because then they're playing the game and they're like, ugh, trudging through this tutorial. Oh my god, when oh, is this over? Me. Yeah.
2: you to go forward I can't do tutorials anymore. yeah
1: and then the thing is is like you know in this day and age we're so fast paced you wonder why people jump into call of duty because you just go in there and it's like okay go gun shoot kill re- rinse repeat you know you're like you're getting the action you got the adrenaline everything's fun you know you're having fun but when you have a game that's just slow burn it's just like uh unless you love that <laughs> but yeah. like this
4: yeah, no. sometimes
1: you're just like oh my god when do i get to the the beast and sometimes you may never <laughs> you may never get to that point
2: you it, might not. it could be just yeah, a game and, that's kind of and there's also something else like uh, faster games that you can play in, in quick sessions um gamers have kids as well you know
1: <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and kids attention span man you talk about kids, I have uh, nieces and nephews, you put them in front of things, they'll they'll play it, but if they, like they don't get it or whatever, they're like, eh, I'm bored, this game sucks, <laughs> and they'll just leave. So yeah, you have to pay attention to that, because yeah. it doesn't affect them.
2: Yeah, I, I met this, this uh, Czech guy uh, like two years ago, and I went to a, an ESL one here, and um, he said he stopped playing Dota because, uh, well, every game is 40 minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah
2: he's yeah, playing fortnite <laughs>
1: yeah and yeah. you know <clears throat> that's
3: that's another thing you can go
0: thing. in at the game like that
1: yeah,
3: yeah that was the thing like i mean i don't mind playing a 45 minute long game but if i have to yeah. sit around in a queue for an hour and a half just to get into it that's that's too much
2: yeah exactly. the problem is he has kids so he needs fast
3: yeah 10 15 minute stops yeah. right
1: yeah and that's why you see a lot of the games like auto chess auto chess is doing well a lot of the mobile market i believe last time when i was in class we looked at it and the mobile market took up 51 percent of the revenue of games the profits and everything and so you wonder why you have a lot of these loot crates going into regular games and all these like card packs going into fifa and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's derivative from the mobile game you know like when they're creating the mobile games they're trying to see how much money they can make you know maximize their profits and stuff like that but at the same time a lot (laughs) yeah it does yeah because people want the new skins the new hair color the new character
3: the new card but
1: the thing that
3: yeah go ahead i think one of the best mobile games that i've played in a very long time was the walking dead surprisingly enough they have um, they have a mobile game that is actually really quite incredible Yeah, character building, different kinds of of missions, um, item building, item crafting, upgrades. It's all, you know, you can spin different characters and then there's a whole quest line and a bunch of of things to keep you busy. And you can play the entire thing without spending a dime and still have a great deal of fun.
2: Uh, Insert Rage Shadow (laughs) Legends joke here.
1: Uh, yeah, Raid Shadow Legends. But see, the thing is, is uh, you just want to make sure that you don't break the game or alienate people. You know, where it's like uh, with Star Wars, where, you know, they bought their characters and bought their enhancements and it kind of like broke the game for other people. That's where you it's You can kinda... only buy Vader. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. he's like uber
3: powerful.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Hey, but they fixed it. It's great now.
3: <laughs> no, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: There's the mobile Star Wars
2: game, which is weirdly good. <laughs> Yeah. I heard that one was really
0: good. The one where all, it's
1: like uh, a, Galaxy of Heroes. Yeah, turn-based, right? Where you like yeah. uh, you press the button, shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played yeah,
2: that one. I I I quit because I was wasting a lot of time in it.
1: <laughs> oh, so here's the thing. So while I was going to school, I like burned through it. I burned through my bachelor's and my master's within four years and three months. So I had you were you were talking about study habits and everything. It was pretty yeah. much just grinding, just learning, learning, learning. And I barely had time for actually playing video games, believe it or not. I mean, I remember during our break time with our friends, we would just pop on Minecraft just because it was like, you know, we didn't think about it. We're like, we don't have to learn. We're just like digging, whatever, just playing, (laughs) you know, BS or whatever. Um, But one game that I did enjoy was uh, The Witcher 3. That was amazing. If you
3: guys haven't played that game, that game is amazing.
0: Oh my god! Really I crazy. haven't.
3: I have it's been told by this crowd that it. I'm supposed to start with Witcher one before I get to Witcher three.
0: Though. No, 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 one. No,
3: no. no, no. Yeah, unless you <laughs> I, want I all the
0: bugs.
1: <laughs> if you want all the uh, bugs in Witcher one, then yeah, be my guest. But yeah, uh, fun. I
2: liked
3: it.
1: Yeah, but no, uh, Witcher three you can play it. Just go ahead and read the book. Uh, they have like a little like catch up thing that you can do, and
3: <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and then <laughs> so you can play like,
3: our story so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless a game, a, a <laughs>
1: yeah. Unless you read a
2: book, yeah.
3: Unless you want to be a purist, if you want to be are a you, purist, then are we I talking all about
2: DnD or something?
3: Any relation <laughs> in the in the in the in the video games to what happened in the in the miniseries? Like the uh, TV show that's... on Netflix? Oh well. So oh.
0: what happens in the show is before Witcher three. It's so before if you Witcher. watch the show, you yeah. you basically know what's. The yeah, they mentioned the
3: the <laughs> yeah, wild yeah. hunt. So yeah. now hold show. on a second though because the TV show took place in two different periods. So It
0: took place a lot of periods,
3: actually. Well, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the two main timelines of of the Witcher and the and the and the little girl, right? Spoiler so...
0: alert.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alerts, right? <laughs> yeah. So which timeline is before or after is this all before The Witcher 3? All before. All before. Oh, okay. All right.
2: girl older than the Witcher
0: 3.
3: Oh, okay. Okay, okay. okay.
2: Cool. The first cutscene in The Witcher 1 is with the... um, What's the name of the monster? Uh, The one that is the girl. Oh, uh, oh... That one. The first scene with the... the... It's a (laughs) cutscene. You can just look for it. (laughs) You open the game, you have to watch it.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah. Wait, you mean Witcher 3? No, No, Witcher 1. I didn't play Witcher 1. I don't
1: know. Oh... (laughs) I don't, I don't remember You watched any. the series, just, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: You know well, the
1: guy like a, who, who has a kid like a with ago. his
2: <laughs> sister? Um, the guy
1: with kid with sister.
3: Shoot! You know what? We need someone to Google this.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: we need a Witcher on, expert. Yeah. yeah, we need <laughs> we need to invite <laughs> somebody to the call who knows so, any of my I
2: friends have- except me. I
3: bet you! <laughs> I bet you! And, uh, I bet you right now, with- the listeners I are screaming
1: at us.
2: <laughs> yeah, I should call
1: them.
4: <laughs> I mean,
2: <laughs> I friends. have to go there and say, <laughs> "Oh, I actually <laughs> never played your game." To the recruiter, it was pretty fun. Oh man! Yeah. It was for GoG, though. Yeah.
1: Oh, but you know what? since we have so much time on our hand now besides programming dude you should just play the game just go play it just play one two three live the best life yeah,
2: oh, yeah but I have iron. the played a Dota ladder to climb
3: yeah oh. I just bought I just bought the master Chief collection <laughs> oh no never played any of those and it also includes like ODST and reach so like there's so much content there
1: I just bought the uh, Kingdom
3: Hearts collection so
1: I'm, yes. i've never played any of those games yes. so i'm like
2: oh
0: same like, all right oh no yeah. <laughs> you're gonna love it bro
1: it's that's
0: a, don't don't think too hard just play the game and enjoy it <laughs>
1: yeah you know that's what i gotta say to your listeners too like as game designers uh play every game play every genre play the old click adventure games the leisure suit larry games whatever uh I mean, don't don't don't
4: specifically play
3: don't specifically play that game, but you know, there's there's other games. Yeah, you should make pong just to learn how challenging it is to do something as simple as pong. You know what's funny? Then people understand how hard it really
1: is to do this. You know what's funny is if you uh, go on YouTube and go to my friend's YouTube series, uh, George Wolfers. He's actually creating pong to help out people programming from the ground up. So like, hey. Go yeah, on absolutely. Go. Yeah, and that's that's actually really good. Like, go and um, build Pong. Yeah, definitely build that. But like, what I wanted to say was like, play other games, play racing games, play football games. Even if you're not a sports fan, just like if you're a game designer, you gotta like see everything because you never know. Like, you could be pl- making a game like Yakuza where there's a bunch of little mini games, or GTA where you're making a bunch of mini games. If you don't know how to play like football or baseball or like at least the little fundamentals of that then you're not going to be able to design that. So, like, as a game designer, you want to learn everything. Even, like, the old ancient games. I didn't know that Backgammon's actually 2,000 years old. Did you guys know that? Oh, my God, oh. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah uh, that's one
2: of
1: the first board games.
2: <laughs> yeah, because Jacob plays it.
1: was <laughs> the yeah. <is> old? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That I was a kid with my and dad. The Men in, in Black. Yeah, so yeah. you just gotta, you know, immerse yourself with other games, even if you don't like a Kerbal Space program, whatever, just, just play it, guys.
3: Play all the games. Even this the ones is, that are guys. weird. Don't make WoW and play all the games. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> don't make WoW.
1: Exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> WoW, uh, you're going to kill yourself if you try to make WoW.
3: This is a long-running joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <exactly>. It's almost <laughs> a year old. WoW. <laughs> no, you know what? I got to look at your guys' previous podcast because
1: I saw that, and that was what my friend George said. He's like, don't make WoW. And I was like, huh? I was like, that totally makes sense. We've always been told that in school. So, yeah. <laughs> so check that out. Everyone's yeah, like, it came from it Facebook,
2: both. Think, wow.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: You see a bunch of people like you're getting started. You barely know the basics, and they go, "Oh, I'm making this MMORPG here. <laughs> uh, can anyone give me some
1: help?" Oh <laughs> so, no, you get that a lot. Know. from... Uh, what's that, uh, Fiverr? You get that a lot from Fiverr. These people <laughs> they'll like pay you. Yeah, they'll pay you to make. They'll be like, "Hey, I got an idea for a video game. Uh, <laughs> I'll pay you twenty bucks." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> it's like, "Yeah, it's an MMORPG <laughs> game. We're gonna make it." I'm like, "Dude." That takes years and lots of money. Do you have lots of money? <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a little more than $20. Yeah,
1: yeah, more than $20. You can Add tell your
2: zeros. idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Many it's
2: zeros.
1: nuts. nuts yeah. But you'll get a lot of that. So. Uh, it's
2: nice to be ambitious, but there's ambitious and suicide.
3: Oh, well, I mean, we all know about the Dunning-Kruger effect, though. I mean, when you just know don't know anything about how hard something is, you tend to assume that it must not be all that hard. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, so, like, when you're doing your uh, creative iterative processes when you're first starting, uh, it's nice to do, like, a brainstorm if you're deciding what kind of game, you know, you get your your, your group of people, your team, and uh you just like get a, a whiteboard or a piece of paper or something and you just write down ideas and no idea is dumb you know like even if you talk about mmorpgs i know we're joking about it but what you're wanting to do is not stop the creative process you want the creative flow to, to blossom and you don't want to hinder anybody you know especially if yeah. someone's shy so you just have them like give out their ideas all those uh, ideas and then you let it stew for about 24 hours, right? You know, you don't think about it. You just walk away from the process and then you come back the next day and then you decide, hey, okay, we're making a first person shooter game. Let's pick uh, Ocean. Okay, so Ocean, Pirates. Oh, okay, Pirates, then we can have like uh, giant squid monsters or something like that. Or it could be a platformer or whatever. You know, like you you just start deciding and that's how you slowly come up with your ideas. And then you go into your next phase, which is Paper Prototype right? So when you're doing the paper prototype, it's just like creating a board game. You have all the mechanic systems down. You start uh, adding your layers in your game. And the cool thing is, is if you're doing level design, and I know it's funny, I talked about Minecraft, but you can kind of build your level in Minecraft if you wanted mm-hmm. to, but another process that's good is Lego. If you have Legos yes. around, start building that around, and that's even better because you can fit it to your theme, because I'm pretty sure you can go to... Target or Walmart and they have specific themes that you can grab and then you just do it and you'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm doing a medieval period. Yeah, let me get some medieval Lego pieces and do that. And that's that's amazing too. So paper prototyping. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's really important. Prototyping, doing getting like a shoebox and like mess around with stuff. Pretend like it's uh, elementary school. Be like I got a project. Let me make this yeah. game.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And then uh, when, once you get that solid, you know, solidified, then you start going into the computer and start picking on what engine you're going to work on and all this other stuff. And then when you do that, then you have, uh, you know, your sprints that you go to to make your vertical slice. And that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. It's like getting, like, uh, an overall picture of what your game going to be by creating a vertical slice and a digital prototype. And then you just continue to, the process until you get to your alpha and then your beta and then your gold. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot that goes in between it, you know, like uh, your playtesting. You know, you want to have it's nice to have your family playtest, but you know, what's going to happen when your family Mm -hmm. playtests the game? (laughs) Oh, you did a great job. You know, it's really good. And it's nice. It's nice. But you also want to just grab people from off the streets and be like, hey, play my game. You know, try this out. And while they're playing the game, you don't want them to be quiet and you don't want to do leading questions. Never do leading questions. Don't be like, how does the game feel, or whatever? Just say like, uh, okay, thank you for you know playing my video game, and basically ask them like, while you're doing, while you're playing the game, like speak out loud, like basically I want to know what you're thinking while you're playing the game, and uh, it helps you out because that way you know like what they're doing. Like maybe they're getting frustrated because their control scheme is kind of weird, right? Or they get stuck and they're like, how do I get to this area? And, you know, you're just like checking to make sure that some of the things aren't as obvious as you might have thought. Because you'll get that tunnel vision, you know. As a game designer, you'll get these blinders, and you'll think, "Oh, my game's perfect. You know, my game's great." You know, or uh, "Why doesn't this person get it?" You know. But the but the ultimate goal is you're you're making the game for the player, so you got to advocate for the player. It's yeah. not the game design, you know. So. Yeah, G-
2: GTA is a good example of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Going back to when you were in school, what challenges did you go through, and how did you overcome them?
1: Oh man, um, so the challenges that I had to was the work-life balance. I had school, work, and my relationship, and like balancing all of that was crazy because I was going to school taking 18 units while going to work and uh, inspecting, you know, aerospace parts and all this other stuff, and then coming home and spending time with my wife. So it's definitely a balancing act, but you do want to like uh, you know study and get that time in. the 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 problems that I would run into a lot were level design, because level design there's a lot that goes into it. You know, you can create a level, but there's the level flow. Um, there's a great there's a great YouTube video. I'm trying to remember from uh, what is it? Uh, gaming crash courses. I forget um, the one where they have like the stick figure guy talking.
0: Oh, uh, extra credits.
1: Extra credits. There we go. Yes. There's there's a great level design one where they talk about like the reward, the punishment, and the level, the placement of the enemies, you know, stuff like that. Uh, when you're in a, a jail cell, it's got to feel like it's a jail cell. You have, like underlying themes. Um, you guys have played The Last of Us, right? Yes. Sadly now, not. Oh, sadly no. Oh, you gotta you gotta play it. There's a there's a level that's really good in there where you go into this abandoned like uh, cave I believe, or like it's an underground place, and you find out like there's a lot of horrific things that happened in there. Like uh, the children end up dying. Uh, oh, I remember that
0: one. Yeah. Do you
1: remember that right? Mm-hmm. And there's like a little story. And originally you think like, oh, the guy that's reading uh, writing these stories was he the guy that was outside that was dead? And it's kind of interesting because you find out towards the end and i don't want to do a spoiler alert for you but the game is pretty old um but
0: (laughs) yeah come on ricardo (laughs) the second one's coming out
1: but i mean i mean i'm not telling you like the overall ending of the game or anything but in this particular level as you're reading through these letters you find out all the horrific things that happen and you realize there was structure at one point there was rules because through all the chaos there was uh they set up some kind of rules for their their world because the rest of the world was in chaos and then towards the end, when you're running out of that place, you look back and there's an enemy that's coming at you. And that's the enemy that's been writing you the entire time. He turned into one of those guys. So uh, I forget what they were called. Clickers. Yeah. Clickers. Yeah. So mm-hmm. see, like it's those little underlying things that are in the level. It's narrative. It's the artwork. It's uh, the subconscious. uh Information that you're getting that makes you very immersed in the game. You wonder why like games are so great. Like uh, Bioshock Infinite has one of the best level designs ever because not only does it give you like the like, um, you know, when we're talking about the uh, the French Revolutionary type thing. Well, it was showing you like the whole I think of the independence for United States and stuff like that. And you get to see like everything in there and it points you to a right direction and the lighting. Lighting is everything too. Right. Mm -hmm. So level design is probably one of the hardest things and also optimizing that level, doing level streaming. So if you're working on Unreal and Unity, you talk about uh, the level streaming optimization, LODs, right, level of details. And you notice in some games, the level of details, they kind of they kind of mess up on it a little bit. And maybe they do that because of low end uh, PCs or something like that. But like even Assassin's Creed. Yeah, like, when, when you play Assassin's Creed, I remember there was a, I forget which one, but you would go a certain distance, and you would see, like, a low-poly version of the wall, and it didn't render fast enough for oh, it to yeah, be the high-poly. That. Right? So that's that's a problem with the LOD, so you have to work on those. And sometimes, you know, you have these big projects that it just gets lost in the the, the production, and then that's why we end up having patches later on for those, but... Yeah, you just have to really focus on that. And that was one of the tasks that was very daunting because you're. it's like I was balancing my work, my school, my relationship with level design. It's like I'm balancing art, narrative, gameplay flow, all that kind of stuff, right? So it's a good balancing act, and you don't want to try to uh, neglect some of those things. And um, there's another uh, famous psychologist. I'm going to slaughter his name. Uh, Mik- Mikhail, oh, man anyways i'm gonna i'm gonna mess up his name but hey, basically basically it's a flow right he created this flow yeah. chart and you want to stay oh. in the sweet spot right because yes. if you if you make the game too hard players are going to quit and that goes within real life too if you make a task in life way too hard you're going to give up on it most people will be like no i'm not going to do it it's too hard forget about it uh, if you make it too easy then it's boring it's a child's game oh my my little sister, my little brother would like this game, right? You don't you don't ever want to get that, right? If, if you're yeah. a game designer and someone says, yeah, I think my little brother or little sister would like this game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you have
2: to use your hands. It's like yeah, a baby story.
1: It is. So you, you have a flow, and think of it like the three-act structure, right? And within every act, there's also three acts in those things, right? That leads to... Uh, the incident like the MacGuffin, what leads them like in star wars they find out like the the death star is that oh did i lose you oh there we go yeah that's the guy yeah i don't yeah. need to pronounce i don't it. judge. it's it's me Mih- <laughs> it's Mihail- <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly
2: yes, exactly
1: <laughs> sorry exactly. listeners but just just look at game flow and there's a lot of studies that have been done on it um actually there's been a lot of studies one of them is resident evil 4 there was a guy. Again, his name escapes me. I'm not good with names, guys. But uh, he did a study for Resident Evil Four and showed like all the stats of where like the climax of the game happens and everything, and where there's like an actual uh, you know calmness to the game, and then the climax peaks up again. Enemies come up. There's a reason to everything. Like why is that enemy placed a certain way? There's a reason for that. It's it's because the build up, the climax, and build the story and everything like that when you go into an area and it's all like nice and then you go into like the shadow where everything the world is upside down like in uh the last of us you're very naive you're learning a little bit the the fundamentals of the game like the tutorials and everything like that and then you play this main character and then afterwards it gets flipped upside down and now you're in this shadow world and now you're trying to learn how to like uh progress through that And then afterwards, you become the master of both worlds. You know, it's the Joseph Campbell's uh, 12, or like there's actually 18 steps of that. That's like the narrative of everything. You also have um, uh, the guy that does, how come I can't think of it? Rick and Morty. What's his name? What's the... Oh, I forgot his name as well. But he has one too that's a lot shorter. It's just a more condensed version of Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey. And uh, you see it a lot in storytelling, right? Uh, In a lot of mythologies, a lot of like movies that we watch today, Lord of the Rings. Uh, That's how it is with video games too. You know, you have like a a character that you're just learning out and you become the master of them at the end. So you have to, it's like a huge balancing act. So I guess uh, to go back to what you were saying, like that I think was the toughest thing was balancing everything. Uh, Not only did I have to learn everything and try to become the master of one, I had to, like, balance everything to make sure that it's good. And I guess any work of art will never be completed. Like, even Picasso with his art, even though people can say, like, oh, this is the best thing ever, and it's worth, like, millions of dollars, to him he'd be like, eh, I could have done a little bit better. And that's how it's always going to be. You're always going to feel that you could do a little bit better. And I think that's what you get caught in. It's like, no, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Just
0: use it to help you make something better next time. Exactly. Now, how important is self-education? Did you, while doing all this, study on your own too, like courses and stuff? Or
1: yes. yes. Okay, so self-education is very important. Um, and just in life in general, right? So, like when you're when you're going through life, it's better to like self-educate yourself on a lot of things to make yourself better. But as in games, um, one thing that really helped me was one of the courses for ai algorithms right so the a search a star uh, algorithm and how that works so i if you go onto my um my portfolio which i gotta update i gotta add more videos to it i have a game called zombie that i was like learning from and that was one of the courses that i believe i was using from your Is uh, i think it was ben tristan that was uh doing it or something it had been a while i think i've uh that course it's was pretty like old. It's
0: Un- probably the Unity one. Unity, yeah, Unity. Yeah. And it was,
1: course, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And what I was basically learning was the A-star algorithm and the pathing of the heuristics and how to use that. And so that really helped me out in my artificial intelligence class because I was learning about D-strix method, and then I was learning about uh, the Euclidean distance method and the Manhattan distance and how you would want to wow. use Manhattan distance if you're uh, not doing like... Um, Large-scale games. Uh, it's. I think Aaron could chime in on this, right? Uh, about the A star and how that how that works.
4: Yeah, I know.
1: I know the
3: basics of that algorithm. What about it? <laughs> oh no!
1: Well, what I was saying is like so. The
3: Euclidean distance it uses square root. So saying whatever words that I don't know. I am not a mathematician. I know how to oh. use A star. Oh, no no problem. <laughs> and I no know problem. how to implement it as well, you know, from a mathematical perspective, but I could not explain anything about the theory behind it at all.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So while while we were in program that was that was another thing in programming. Dude, I sucked at math. That was that was a struggle that I had. And I got thrown into it. I went all the way from like base Oh, look at that.
3: That person flying. Who's that? Yeah, it's not that, supposed
2: to be
0: flying.
3: That's that was not supposed thing. to be going like that.
2: It, it, it's I don't a know feature.
3: Oh, I remember. I was I was screwing around with this. Yeah, I
1: remember. I removed gravity.
3: <laughs> That's hilarious. Nothing quite like that.
1: So uh, what I was trying to say was, uh, yeah, they, they taught us a lot of math that we had to go through in the programming, but um, when I was going through that course... I was looking at it, and they would have the Manhattan distance. There's different distances on how the heuristics functions, uh, like calculates how the AI should move for the agent. And so when you do Euclidean distance, it has a square root in it. And whenever you have a square root function in in a call, it uh, takes a lot more computation time. So when you're calling it, like a lot, it really lags the computer. So you have to be careful with that. So I used the Manhattan distance for my zombie to come and look for me and everything like that, which was really cool because um, I got to learn the AI utility function. And there was like a, uh, a, a thing that I learned where the zombie could walk around and slowly lose energy and start getting hungry. And then if there's a body where there's food, it would actually go down and eat the, the body. And I thought that was really cool because I was like, oh wow, this is a really smart AI. And so I was learning it through the course, and I was like, oh that's cool. So that's another thing, which leads segue[s] to your next question, which I know you're saying is, do you need a college education to be a game designer? And my answer is yes and no. So uh, a lot of a lot of the older generation, they had some college experience, but it was not through game design. It was just like going into it, and that's how they got into it. Um, if you're gonna be a programmer, they're probably going to want you to have some kind of computer science degree um, because with my friend, even though he had his programming knowledge prior to going yeah. to college, he couldn't get hired because they wanted him to have a degree. So some some companies, some AAA companies want you to have a degree. Um, as far as art goes, I probably it's probably the same thing because they want you to be a traditional like learn the traditional art foundations like uh, perspective drawing, Uh, concept, all those types of things, which you would have to go to school for those things. Because you can be self-taught, but there's so much more fundamentals that you would need to learn in order to get better. Um, For other people, they can probably land themselves a job just based off of their own studying. Like, you see a lot, right? You see a lot of these indie guys that they're not working at a AAA studio or anything like that. They're self-taught. They make the game themselves. You know, they have that tenacity, that, you know, dedication, that drive and they end up doing it. So there are some people that can do that for sure. Um, Another way is QA. Right. You can go into and I know some people would be like, no, you can get stuck in QA. But you know what? Uh, I believe if you show that you're willing to learn and you give some ideas, you can move up, you know, just like with any job, you know, you can move up as long as you really have the, the hunger for it. And there's other positions in the gaming industry. Not, you know, like you could be an accountant, right? You're going to be an accountant and be like, oh, I love games. I want to get into game design. Well, look for a game company that needs an accountant for whatever reason. Uh, try to go in there, you know, and then once you get in there, learn from other people, become a game designer or whatever you want to do. And then presto, you're a game designer. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it doesn't happen that fast, but I'm just saying like, People can go in there with different college degrees, uh, not even related to game design, and eventually go into game design. It's just all about what they want to do. But I will say that, like, when it comes to programming and art, you probably do need a college degree. Um, Unless somehow somebody just is, like, blown away from your programming skills and you're actually their brother (laughs) or sister or whatever. They're like, yeah, come work for me. You know what I mean? So it's who you know. Also, and that's another thing I would say to your viewers is um, go to meetups, go to meetups, go to game jams, right? I did a game jam. I slept for like two hours in a 72 hour period. It was horrible, but you got free food. <laughs> that was cool. Uh, so, I, you know, go to game jams. Uh, there's one, I wrote it down. Uh, the, there's game jams happening every time. You can actually start one right now with your friends if you wanted to, it's no problem. You can call it quarantine game jam if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, game uh game that tv has that been. might be copyrighted.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, quarantine game jam? <laughs> <That's> a, yeah.
2: <laughs> really? That's <laughs> hilarious cuz I saw one.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. The, the team well, was yeah, it's
2: a game, COVID. <laughs> yeah, COVID Game COVID.
1: Yeah. So, you can do it but the the Global Game Jam, the one where the entire world is supposed to be, you know, sponsored by it happens January 29th through the 31st. It's going to happen next year, 2021. Uh Global Game Jam. Uh, in Los Angeles, they have the IndieCade, you know, wherever you're situated, uh, try to see if they have any gaming things, go, go check out, see if high schools have gaming programs. If you're a high school student, you know, like they might have things, make a club. If there's no club that's there, make a club. You have the resources online to learn so you can go, uh, learn, you know, create a club and then presto. There you go. Keep saying presto. (laughs) Uh,
0: There's an app called Meetup. And yeah, have, like, an un- Unreal like, group that meets here in L.A. And I think just another game developer group.
1: Yeah, I think really my friend cool. goes there. I think mm-hmm. you might you might run into my friends there, uh, Gavin, and there's some other ones that that go in there, oh. so you might see them.
3: There's so um, one in Chicago that meets either up in the northwest suburbs, about five miles from where I live or in downtown Chicago every other weekend.
1: Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I was gonna. People. Yeah, see another another thing. Get your nerd on. Get your geek on. Whatever. Go go find uh, a board game place. I'm pretty sure there's people that play Warhammer. Oh, that was a game cool. that I played. I played Warhammer. Oh my god, it's so good. And uh, I played D and D for the first time. I was like, where have you been all my life? D and D was actually yet. really. good. Yeah. It's actually really good. If you want to learn about character creation and storytelling, mm-hmm. play D and D. Like D and D is really good because. Uh, You'll learn. Go
3: get yourself a copy of GURPS, too.
1: Yeah. See, there
3: you go. Mm-hmm.
1: And then um, GDC. Everybody should know this, right? If you're going to go into the game thing, yeah, Game cool. Developer Conference, that's like the pinnacle of game development, right? You want to go to there. Uh, if you can't make it, then there's the GDC Vault where you can watch mm-hmm. stuff and get all that information. Gamasutra. Um, another thing, if you're like trying to enter in stuff, you can enter in Indiecade. Uh, that happens, I believe, in September, October? I forget when exactly. But IndieCade is in Los Angeles. And then IGF, the uh, Independent Game Festival. That's a good one. That happens uh, at the same time as GDC. So. In March. Yeah. I believe so, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah quick yeah, uh, There are similar things all over the world.
1: Uh, yes. And I
2: mean... It's information age. You can make friends online and join game jams right here. Yeah. What's what's over there? I never saw any of these guys in person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's over there in Poland? Do you guys have any like uh, gaming, like conferences or anything like that? I know there are uh,
2: because we interviewed this colleague of mine, and he has a game on Switch and I think Steam. And uh, when he told us the story, part of it was meeting guys at conventions and stuff.
1: Okay. Ooh, good thing you said that about the Switch. So another thing as a game designer you want to look at, even as a programmer, is the equipment you're working with, the, the medium you're going to be working with, whether it's virtual reality, augmented reality, console, mobile. When you're making the game, it has to fit. In that, like if you take a mobile game and just throw it on a console game, chances are it's gonna probably suck because there's, like, <laughs> the controls don't work that way, yeah, no. um, you know, and vice versa. So uh, you just gotta be aware of that. Like virtual reality, the reason why people get a lot of motion sickness is because of the frame rates. I believe it's this particular frame rate on each eye that has to be up there. And I'm, uh, I'm probably gonna be wrong at this. My teacher's probably gonna be like shaking his head, but maybe it's 120. 120 frames per second in each eye. I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, you just want to like make sure that the equipment that you're working with, uh, you utilize it to the best. So you got to like dissect that equipment yourself and see like everything you can get off of it. And you know, one of the best people that does this, like Nintendo, Nintendo's amazing in like getting their equipment. Look at the Wii, for instance. I mean, billions of dollars they made that. They spend so much money on their their controllers, the research and development that goes on their controllers. It's It's really cool.
2: Yeah, every other console they get it right. They do. They do. <laughs> they do.
1: <laughs> but you know what though, man? I still like some of their I like the Wii U. The Wii U was a bad. Yeah, I love
2: just... my Wii U. It's I think uh...
1: I think the naming convention was horrible. Like yeah. whoever it sounded like an add-on. Like <laughs> yeah, I get right, it. Exactly. I get that they were infatuated with the Wii. They're like, "Oh, Wii. We get to play." And it's like Wii U. I'm like, no, guys, come on. Come up with another <laughs> at name. At least the Wii 2. Yeah.
0: The Wii 64. I'm
1: still I'm still waiting on that mini 64. I don't think it'll ever come.
0: They're making a mini 64? No, really? I said I'm
1: waiting. I'm hoping. Uh-huh. I'm hoping they'll do that. I don't think they will. Shit, uh, that'd be cool. That'd be but so I cool. I don't know
2: my N64 oh. is
1: in a box. Oh, you're so lucky. I got rid of mine a long time ago
2: by accident. Yep, I bought a second <laughs> one, actually. So I had one but a guy was selling it super cheap with a bunch of games I wanted. Yeah. So I just bought it off him and sold the console. <laughs> <laughs> so I nice. mean, it came with both Zeldas.
1: Goldeneye. Oh.
2: Ooh, Goldeneye. There was something else. Dude,
1: have you tried playing Goldeneye since then? Oh no. my god. It's terrible. It's, it's so <laughs> archaic. Like, I'll play it I'm like, how was I good as a kid in this controller? <laughs> yeah. Like, what the heck?
2: Yeah, oh. I did it like, Two years ago, it's terrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's like oh like, man.
2: People speed run that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've been wanting yeah, to do that too. Yeah,
2: yeah. I've seen the
0: speed run of Tomb Raider, and it's just like you had to literally break the game at the right moments to speed run.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, watch a uh, arena of time speed run. That's mm. insane.
1: <laughs> Probably do that tonight.
2: <laughs> There's the speed legendary Cosmo 19 minute, I,
1: I think. 19
2: minutes at GDQ. Yeah, I
1: gotta check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it, another it thing. Went too.
2: down a lot. It, this one was like six years ago.
1: Yeah, speedrun. That's that's another like when you're when you're designing games, you kind of want to look at like um, Easter eggs, cool little things like that that you could put in. That is uh, company approved, of course, because sometimes the company, if you put in <laughs> stuff like that, you could get in trouble.
3: Oh uh, man. Yeah, yeah. Dario is notorious for that. (laughs) Yeah. Half-Life Deathmatch maps, almost all of them, the Half-Life Deathmatch maps that were finally released with the game, almost all of them have some form of of secrets in them that he managed to slip through. Yeah, (laughs) that's the best way to put it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Oh, and then like uh, trophies too, you know, like achievements and games. People love achievements, so it's like, how can you put that in the game without making it cheesy? Because uh, you know, there's some achievements. It's like tying your shoelace. There you go, you get an achievement. Taking your <laughs> first steps. Yeah,
4: yeah, taking your first. I bet trophy. you. I bet move you move forward.
1: Wow. Oh I bet God. you there's an achievement out there that says that taking oh, I'm your sure first steps. Oh, <laughs> actually, I've <laughs> seen <them>. in <it> <laughs> a lot <laughs> of games.
4: Guys. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And there's those uh, pretty uncomfortable ones you have like there's a game that you get one by looking up a skirt
1: really? oh those yeah. are one of those uh, like game. Uh, what game? The like the anime games?
2: Uh, I no it's a regular game, it's, a regular game.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it, it, it's just to show your friends you're a, a you have problems <laughs> I knew that was going to happen I had a feeling is it to show your friends or is it
0: so people can avoid you? <laughs>
2: no yeah the problem is you get it like it or not,
0: <laughs> it's there. Yeah. It's there and everybody can see it now. Oh, could you imagine? Because I know uh, PlayStation used to do it, but if you had to set up a Facebook, it posts your achievements.
3: <laughs> yes. Can you imagine that? Like, uh, bling, uh, all of uh, your friends see just got Upskirt Achievement. Your oh, family.
1: No. That would be so bad next time you go on Facebook, like, somebody <laughs> disowned you
3: already.
2: Like, oh, Your know. grandma reacts to the post pretty yeah. good. <laughs> fun so times, fun grandma times. grandma
3: reacts with a like. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> she probably would, she wouldn't even know what's going on. <laughs> uh, my, uh, my oh, my, my grandson Oh, my little
3: grandson, he's so cute. He's <laughs> <laughs> playing his little video games. He's got, he's got an achievement called Hopskirt, what is that? <laughs>
1: Um what was I let's see. <laughs> what so, were yeah. we talking about?
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: anyway, oh, yeah, see so
0: your funny. website.
2: How did um But yeah you make uh, it going back it? to Easter eggs <laughs> Easter eggs yeah, that, and <laughs> That's one thing I like about Rockstar games.
1: Like Oh yeah, you really go into that. The, the creepy, like, well, I mean, you got the Sasquatch one, but you got the alien one. And then what was it, the one that was really weird, where, like, if you got to a pool at a certain time, you would end up seeing, like, these bodies that were, like, just floating in the pool, and then eventually you would die? I was like, that is, like, who spends the time? Like, somebody had to look through the code for that or something. Like, how do they even do that?
2: Oh, yeah, uh, there's the Mount Chiliad one for GTA five Yeah. Yeah. Which one Did you do have I to do? Had, like, and uh, the Southwatch one for DPA five actually, you have to do a bajillion things.
1: Yeah, see, that's how it is. You end up, like, everything. And I'm just like, who figures these out? Yeah, it's I insane. We gonna,
2: like, how? Uh, as AVGN used to say, you need the power. Nintendo power.
1: <laughs> Nintendo power. Get the gloves.
2: In, in, in reference to the... In Zelda 2, there's a level that you have to... You get a random spell that does nothing. Mm-hmm. and then apparently at one point I actually played the game uh, and uh, you have to get to a specific screen and then you use the spell and it spawns a dungeon
1: mm-hmm. oh, that's really cool
2: yeah, there's no way to find that out <laughs> like, seriously
1: yeah, no, there isn't you have to read Nintendo Power, Power. Yeah, yeah, Nintendo Power back in the day uh, I was gonna say, like, some of the books uh, I'll show you, like, I showed you this one this one is, uh, I don't know if you guys can see it video yeah, game. video game, the writing. It's, it's, it's a little like, blurry.
3: Is me. it a little blurry? Uh, writing and design. Well,
1: yeah, video. the ultimate guide to video game, writing, and this is cool because it shows you, like, you know, what you need if you need a lawyer, publishing, stuff like that, how approvals are, making the deal, doing pitches and stuff like that, uh, creating narrative. Because you have scripts, right? You know, like when you have voice actors and everything like that. It talks about how to, like, create a script and everything for writing it. Um if you were to pitch it, like how to do an elevator pitch or a one-page summary. And this one right here, this is from one of my teachers. It's blurry. I think it's blurry because of the uh, the, uh, the Skype thing. Connection? <laughs> the Skype oh. filter. Yeah, the, oh, no, the oh, Skype yeah. filter that Internet. I have. I didn't want to show you my background. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's called Scott Rogers Level Up, the Guide to Great Video Game Design. You can pick it up on Amazon, I believe, for like 14 bucks or something. And this is amazing, too, because... He's been in the game, so he tells you about basically what I was talking about, but just more in-depth, and he breaks down different game genres, uh, what works, the levels of weirdness, uh, where you can have 80% original and 20% your own, like, fresh. Because there's no... I mean, not original. Uh, eighty? No, it's 70% familiar and 30% something fresh, because there's nothing original anymore, right? It's like everybody's done it somewhere or another... We've been on this planet for 10,000 years. I'm pretty sure the story's been around, you know? So um, you have stuff like that. And then you also have, this is the one that we used uh, called Game Design Workshop, a play-centric design approach to creating innovative games. And this is the curriculum that we used for our school. And USC also uses this, but they use a uh, more updated version. I believe they're on um, the fifth edition by now. So yeah, but this right here tells you everything about game design and what you want to know, and it even has exercises too in here, which yeah. will help you out. So that's a good one.
0: That'd be really good. Gotta check yeah. those out. Yeah. And then for the curriculum, is that something you created with a bunch of different teachers, or is that just already there at the school?
1: No, that's already at that school. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, yeah. it's a growing it's a growing field. I mean, getting a degree in game design. And master's even is uh, something new to colleges, probably within the last 10 years, I would say. Um, So it's growing. So they'll learn actually from the students. So we'll go in there. We'll, you know, they'll have the curriculum. They'll tell us things. We'll deconstruct games, whatever. And then uh, all of a sudden it'll pop in their head. Oh, we should add this to the curriculum. So mm-hmm. then they'll add that to it. And then also, it's industry driven, too. You got to think, like, with new technology that comes up and how things work, uh, it's going to change the way things are, especially the way mobile gaming changed how games are made today, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like that. Yeah.
0: And then Fortnite changed the way uh, multiplayer games work. Every game yeah. I open up now has loot boxes and, and uh, battle passes. and.
1: man. <laughs> I mean, it's cool, but in my own opinion, for that, I feel like they're more like I feel battle royale is a mode. It's it doesn't feel like a game, you know but what I it mean? is. Fortnite has I, the other mode.
3: I'm with you, Murat. That's more of a mode than a game in and of itself. Yeah, the, the thing that makes the thing that makes battle royale interesting is the epically huge maps, like in PUBG. Right, yeah, that's exactly. the interesting part where you know you might be troun- you know trundling through the through the world for you know five ten minutes before you ever see and anybody. Then you die. Right? And then <laughs> yeah. you get
1: sniped, right? <laughs> yeah, and and that's actually an interesting uh, feature because if you think about it, remember I was telling you about the game flow and how you want to kind of keep your players in that sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, Battle Royale does that because, like, yeah, you have this expansive area, but you also have, what is it, 100 players that you're facing, right? And now there's like players. more than that.
3: Yeah. yeah. people 150? will also cluster towards certain kinds of things in order to collect, you know, items exactly. for their run. And yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to install PUBG and play that some more tonight. <laughs> I, heard, I can't um, run PUBG. I
1: heard War what is it the Warzone? Warzone I heard that one's actually really really good. My friend oh, yeah. he actually uh works uh for the company and everything and he uh he plays it and he loves it. He's like, "Oh yeah, Warzone's amazing." Yeah.
0: 150 players. And yeah. It just feels like everything's connected in the world cuz like I played Blackout and Fortnite and it's like there's a little spot and then it's like you have to walk forever to get to some other spot. But this one it feels like it's just like one big world and you just drop it in and Exactly.
1: Never yeah. Never
0: feel like, oh, I'm so far away from that one spot. No, you're like, you
1: know, you know what I'm thinking? I wonder if Mag came out too early. You remember that game Mag for PS3 that had 256 players? It was a first person shooter game. Yeah. It was a first person shooter game that was supposed to be a massive first person shooter game. And I feel like it probably came out too early. Like if it came out around this time with Battle Royale, it probably would have been very successful. Because um, it had 200... I was like amazed on a PS3, 256 players. What? Yeah. Uh, if you think that
2: came out too early, I'm going to send a link. <laughs> so <laughs> there's this game called World War 2 Online. Oh, yeah. That game. I mentioned that oh, before. It came yeah. out in 2001.
1: Oh, the same time as um, Battlefield, right? It,
2: it's an MMO FPS
1: oh yeah
2: reenacting the war yeah. from start to finish
1: i mean that's what happens though like you have these innovators that are very like ahead of their time and they create these amazing concepts and the only problem is it's like i guess maybe the world's not ready for it sometimes yeah you mm-hmm. know so, and this just case kind of, of course
2: sucks. like it only uh,
1: for uh for
2: big games overall like it only works if it's full of people. It's like Uber. Like, yeah. How do you make Uber with only two drivers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: How long did that game last?
1: Mag? Mag? Oh, uh, I don't know. It was... Let me see, actually. Let me look. Because it was during PS3. And so it,
0: it could handle 256 players?
1: That's what it said, yeah.
0: So, why can not games now handle that?
3: I really don't know, man.
1: I really don't know. It's probably...
3: And it has to do with some of the intervals of how sockets works. A Berkeley socket can handle no more than 64 simultaneous sockets per thread. And so, to go beyond more than... You know more than two threads gets really really challenging when it comes to data concurrency and other kinds of things yeah so the way that usually that it's handled uh, is through well, at least on the Windows platform what they call I O with completion ports um, where basically you just uh, you kind of post a message to wait for something to come in and you basically just fire events off of those 64 sockets and whenever something comes in you just pull it out of the socket and reset the socket so that it can be reused and that'll get you up to around two thousand to five thousand connections at that point it starts getting pretty wonky as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's actually very true. It all depends on those things. And uh I was looking at the reception of this and it actually did fairly well. Uh seven out of ten, eight out of ten on different places and everything like that. I just think like um if they were to bring this back with a battle royale it probably could do pretty well in the and the thing I never actually got to play the game, but, um, yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, there's games out there that they could probably do 256. I mean, you look at, um, what is it, the MMOs today for RPGs, and they handle quite a bit of players, so.
3: Yeah, like, yeah uh, that's the R- three to 5,000 that you can get out of modern, yeah. you know, advanced techniques with sockets, basically.
2: Yeah. Yeah, like, R- RuneScape had this thing until, like, a year ago called uh, Deadman Mode. Mm -hmm. So it was an invitational tournament for 2,000 people. And then, okay, you could level up with increased XP rates for X, I think it's two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, uh, at all times, it's full PvP. But uh, there's a last hour. And that last hour, uh, there's a battle royale thing, like fog and stuff. You're directed somewhere. And if you die, you're out. And the winner gets 10k.
1: That's pretty cool. Do they get a chicken dinner too?
2: <laughs> no, just $10,000. I just $10, I rather have the, the 10,000. Yeah, 10000 yeah, yeah, 10,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh it stopped cuz uh well, clans.
1: Oh, that's why. People were yeah, creating...
2: cuz it, it it was impossible to to play if you didn't have a clan really.
1: Oh, and then well, like
2: cuz uh because it was a new server, it reset everything, so you had to collect everything from scratch, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a big group, you can have people leveling combat and people doing quests and people getting items. Trying to do it alone, you have to do all three.
0: Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so I wanted to talk more about the uh, website you have and oh, yeah. um, how did you create that, and then what, what are some of the games you worked on.
1: Okay, uh, let me let me pull that up. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, the the website I did was basically on Weebly. I would actually like to move it onto. Uh, WordPress and get connected to a known server and everything like that but uh I'm still it's still a work in progress because of the whole covid thing I had to move but some of the games that I, I've worked on a lot of games but these are the ones that were actually completed in my uh, master's program which okay. that was a really good thing in in my undergraduate like I learned a lot about like production and how to create a game and everything like that but we never fully completed it from start to finish it was like, The gameplay was finished, you know, like you could play the game, but it didn't have like a a main menu or it did have a main menu and it didn't have a credits and all this other stuff. So uh, when it came to um, my master's program, we made sure that we had a marketing uh, summary of it, uh, a trailer for it, uh, credits, main menu, besides the, the gameplay and everything like that. So some of the games that I worked was Light Chaser, which is a 2D platformer game. Uh, I worked on some of the AI on that, and uh, it's uh, more of a cartoon-style game. And then you also have a cyberpunk game, which was an overtop shooter game. It's 3D. So it was like kind of reminiscent of, um, what are those games? Uh, like Smash TV, except without the 45-degree angle lock. Uh, so it was like that. And then we also worked on a game called Aetherlands, which was VR. And that would be my second VR game that I worked on. The first one was just to kind of understand a little bit. I used more of the, uh, learned more of the animation tools in the game. In this one right here, I actually did more level design. And uh, it was cool. It's a virtual reality game where you're shooting giant rats. Like there's like these huge, it's like a, it's like a tower defense kind of, where you can teleport to different towers. And then you're like these rats, these rat armies are trying to come and destroy the towers, So you're like killing them with your uh, bow and arrow. And then like there'll be the rat king which will be this massive, gigantic rat. And I love that game, because it really made you feel like you were in it. And then one of the last games that we worked on in my Masters was called Roll of Fate. It's a 2D game, and it's a uh, turn-based game. It's uh, kind of like... What's that game called? Um, Slay the Spire? Have you ever played that game? I haven't. It's, instead of... like In Slay the Spire, you get these cards, and then you get to select the cards and then do the attack on the enemy. On our game, oh, you actually... Yeah. Yeah, on our game, you roll the dice, and then uh, you, you equip which uh, dice attacks to what attack you're going to do, and then execute it that way. So that was a fun game. So in my master's program, since it was a year long, we were able to produce four games. Uh, we had some mini games in between. Like uh, if you look on my website, there's a 2D space shooter game where I didn't really work too much on that. It was more I worked on the GUI on it, the GUI side of it. Uh, another level design game, I made like a portal with lasers type game, which was pretty fun. Uh, it's more of like a puzzly type game where you unlock, like there's platforms and then you unlock and shoot the, the boxes and then a, a portal comes up. And then in my undergraduate, we did a 2D game, you know, Bomberman. I don't know if you guys have heard of Bomberman, but we ended up we ended up making a clone of it, but we made it to where it was multiplayer it could be played over PC, and I wish, I wish to God, I had the uh, the trailer for it, but it's gone, so it kind of sucks. Aww. So all I have is like this basic, just like me doing a tech demo of it. Okay. <laughs> so it kind of sucks, but basically we were able to play uh, multiplayer up to like five players. So I thought that was pretty cool uh, over Unity. And then the next game we did was Silent Night, which was inspired by Hitman, Splinter Cell, and Metal Gear. I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid fan, so that was something that we did. Uh, one takeaway from... Actually, a couple of takeaways from Silent Night was uh, the scale of the world. I made the world way too big. Uh, <laughs> this was, like, when I was first starting out. And uh, level streaming optimization. And the AI was just, like, too dangerous. Like, if you saw the AI and he saw you, you're dead. Right. Yeah, it would just shoot you that fast. I was like, okay, okay. Uh, so you really had to sneak in that game and then like I said the other one uh, that I worked on was a side project the zombie game I didn't fully completed it because I just wanted to get to know the AI but uh, eventually what I want to do on my website is go through those courses again and start learning more and then design some other games Um, one game that I want to work with my friend is called battle buddies and this was before the whole COVID thing we were talking about like We're not really big artists, so we were going to use, like, capsules. And I was like, hey, we can make them into, like, pills that you take. And it's, like, Contra, and it's shooting bacteria and viruses and stuff like that. And uh, that was just funny how, like, you know, with the the whole COVID thing, I was like, wow, couldn't have come at a perfect time. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. But that's another thing uh, that I learned in school. So zeitgeist, right? The belief of the time. So when you're designing a game, the best thing you can do is, even a board game, uh, go to like Target, go to Barnes and Nobles, your library, whatever. Look at what's hot. Look at what's popular, right? And that's like what you can kind of construct in your games. It's called like the zeitgeist and everything. Um, What was it? We did some studies in our class for like um, Tomb Raider. And with Tomb Raider, what it was was basically at the time, there wasn't many female protagonists. And if you look at the time, there was like Charlie's Angels, all these other things, TLC, like Spice Girls, all this stuff like getting very popular. And you think like to yourself, oh, that might not be relevant. But honestly, it is because when you're catering to the mainstream, you got to see like what they're actually into and another thing too is like if you notice trends trends typically come back every 20 to 30 years like if you look at trends now what's really popular is like 90s stuff right very colorful those kind of type of things so if i'm uh,
3: glad we finally managed to make it out of the last decade where everybody was obsessed with the horrible thing that was the 80s
1: <laughs> but you know what, man? Like we're gonna be making fun of like the early two thousands or whatever, and that's gonna come back. That's gonna, gonna come back. Yeah, you know? know, we're gonna be old, and then it's all the Gen Z people that are gonna be yeah. like, "Oh man, that's on <laughs> fire." <laughs>
2: Have Remember you ever when that listened game? to early two thousands music?
4: Jesus. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so bad. But yeah, so <laughs> on my website. Uh, it's still under construction. I'm going to update it. I'm going to add some videos to it and hopefully land a job. <laughs> uh, if, if Respawn is listening, I've been trying to get you guys for a while. But um, yeah, that's another thing too, guys, is um, when don't get discouraged when any of your people, anybody, all you listeners out there, like if you guys are applying for jobs and you just keep on getting rejection letters, it's okay. That happens. Don't feel like you suck or whatever. Just keep going, keep pushing. Somebody's going to eventually hire you. So you'll be fine. And if not, go create your own studio, like I'm trying there to you do. Go. <laughs>
0: there you so, go. So let's move into that. What are you working on right now?
1: So there's a game that I've been working on with my friends. It's uh, right now the title, we call it Xanimer. Uh mm-hmm. It's basically like, you know, like the dead kind of type game. And it's supposed to be kind of like a mix between XCOM and um, like Fire Emblem, kind of that kind of There's style. Yeah, see, so we're trying to do something like that. It's it's going to be on the mobile market right now, so we would love to go console, but where we're looking at right now in funding, we're thinking that investors might go more towards mobile, and it's a little bit easier to produce for, for us as indie people. Um, the genre is going to be action-adventure turn-based, Uh, Stylized art, and uh, it's supposed we're gonna have like strong narrative. So, right now, we're actually instead of Kickstarter, we're looking into uh, Fig, which is a I don't know if you guys are aware of Fig, it's fig.co. That's a great one for any of your listeners that want to support indie developers or anything like that. uh, Fig will, um, you know, like put your game out there, and basically people will, you know, fund the game. And the cool thing about Fig versus Kickstarter. Is you actually can get shares in your game for uh, I believe up to a year or so. So say like if you wanted to like put shares in a game, say like the next game is PUBG, right? Let's well, just hypothetical. PUBG is the new hotness, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna put some shares in there. You'll put some shares, and you'll actually earn revenue as a shareholder from that game for about a year. So when the PUBG is making money, you'll also be getting a check for that. Is so it that's only actually for a year though. I believe it's only for a year or two. they just
0: making money like a year after.
1: Well, like, well, no, no, no. The So the company, say like if I'm making PUBG, right, and I produce the game, I'm going to continue making royalties until that game just basically is non-existent. But as for the shareholder that's through FIG, they get a profit for a certain a lot of time. And then after that, it's like, you know, it's done. So... Mm-hmm. It's it's a new type of program, different from Kickstarter, because now they're trying to actually people have people invest in the game, so it's pretty cool. So, cool. Yeah, I think yeah. it's really cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so that's something that we're working on right now, and we're hoping to talk to them in the next couple of weeks. We're waiting for art, so that's one of the hardest thing is yeah, getting art, art. Yeah,
0: it's tough. Yeah. That's why you need to find that one person that's re- really good and have them on your team. <laughs> that yes. You.
1: Yes.
0: Ooh, there's this game called Soundfall on the Fig. I think I saw it before, and it's like you can fight using music. I think that's a great idea.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, Speaking of trends. $216,000. What?
2: When are music games coming back? Oh, dude. (laughs) Tell me about it.
1: Tell (laughs) me about it. I hope. I hope so. Um,. I have some ideas for some games, but I'm just like hoping that they'll they'll also come up with it too. You know, especially in the virtual reality space, I think it'd be so amazing to have those kind of games in there.
3: Yeah, Guitar like Hero VR, like a yeah, like a Beat Saber, but for Guitar Hero. Exactly. Yeah, to be fair,
2: sure Beat Saber is a technically a music game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's a great one, though. I'll eventually a of...
2: buy a a headset. But it's too expensive.
0: No, it's cheap now. If you get the PS4 one, it's like 200 something. And you get like Skyrim with it.
1: Yeah, and oh. I
2: also have to buy a PS4. <laughs> no,
0: just buy a PS5. they probably have a VR package.
1: Just get Throw yourself it. a Google card. What is it?
0: Google cardboard. Oh, just, just no, it's just free. I got one for free.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's cardboard. Like,
1: hey.
2: But uh, no, I really. I, I just want to play Vader Immortal, really.
1: I haven't seen
2: that game. It's supposed to be really good. And there are Easter eggs on Rise of Skywalker.
1: Oh, Rise of Skywalker,
2: eh? I like the movie.
1: You did? Uh, I mean, yeah. (laughs) I'm too easily satisfied.
2: I I I watched Two and a Half Men till till the end. The actual end. Till the end. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I
0: thought it was good. No, I mean, better long like, run, sure, but I mean, whatever, it's just a movie. To be fair, yeah. so last yeah. week's episode there. of Clone Wars it's just was a
3: movie. way
2: better.
0: Yeah. I
3: thought it was entertaining. I was entertained. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Me. yeah. I, I watched was... it for two years, so... <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, one thing I was gonna say, I was like, are they gonna pull an Avengers, where, like, everybody pops okay. out of a portal and starts fighting the Sith?
3: <laughs> that's what <laughs> I was thinking. And then Ray did. says, Jedi yes.
1: assemble. I mean, that this was like...
3: almost kind of, like, metaphorically what they did, though, at the end, right? Yeah, yeah. except it's it was just a pretty bunch of voices that's this thing.
1: hey, we got your back, right. yo. Yeah. We got your back, go ahead. Yeah,
0: they are pretty much losing, back. and they were like, hey, we're, we're here, and then Lando comes with yeah. all
2: the people. Yeah, Lando says, <laughs> on your left, <laughs> 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 <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> it's literally what happened. <laughs> I was like, Great oh, well. movie though. See, but it wasn't it. as good because it wasn't the first time.
1: <laughs> I'm looking I I'm looking forward to The Mandalorian. I've been watching that and oh, I'm yeah. like, this is pretty cool. The second one's gonna
0: be cool because it's gonna have Ahsoka in it.
1: Yes. Uh, yes, that's gonna be cool. I'm excited.
2: Yeah,
0: and I heard the last episode of the Clone Wars was really good.
2: it Was amazing.
0: Really? Yeah. So it starts oh, with I a know.
2: title crawl. <laughs> See, I gotta, episode, I gotta watch that and the main team. I'm pretty sure they're gonna release a DVD with all the
1: The clone last whip, but...
2: three or four. No, the last few episodes, just the uh, Mandalore arc. Oh, okay. Because it will have like an hour and a half.
1: It's yeah. a movie. <laughs> oh, you know what? Good thing. Good thing you guys uh, started talking about this. Okay, so like when you're when you're designing a game you also want to have in mind of marketing, right? So not only are you just making a game, but you also want to look into um, what's marketable. T-shirts, posters, collectibles, uh, plushies, right? I mean, think about Baby Yoda. When that thing came out, oh my God, it was the new hotness for like ever. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanted a Baby Yoda. So like, (laughs) it's sometimes it could be an accident, but most of the times it's predetermined, right? Like when you... When you create a character, you want them to be likeable and you want them to be like in your home. Yeah. You know, like if you think about Metal Gear and Solid Snake, how many action figures are there? There's a bunch, you know, so. Ewoks. Yeah, Ewoks. <laughs> Final Fantasy. If you look at Final Fantasy, how many toys? Cosplay. There's so much. So when you're when you're going into your character design, and your world design, and level design, you want to think about not only just the gameplay and everything. You want to think about like marketing because... When it comes to the end of the day, you're pitching this to a business person, publishers, and they want money. <laughs> you know, they they really want money. So, like, you got to just make sure that the game is, you know, marketable for that, too. Yeah, you know, you I mean, to, if, yeah.
2: They will probably be thinking, how do I make money out of that?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they <laughs> might I mean, even
2: ask you that. <laughs> yeah, Directly.
1: Yeah. yeah, they will. And the thing is, is... Uh, they're there to support your creative ideas and your passions, but you're there to you know fill their pockets up so that way you can make the next game or whatever. And the thing you know I would hope that the industry gets better at is that they don't just keep regurgitating the same thing over and over and there's no like real expansiveness and they want you to do like DLC and all this other stuff. I get that you know the subscription base, I totally get that, but it would be nice to make a solid game and not have to like make a sequel if you don't need to you know like if it's a good game and it ended there and that's it like leave it there it's fine you know you can make another game and if you kind of want to make it in the same universe you can do like a uh, stephen king where everything's in the same universe or whatever you know
2: uh, like pixar yeah. some people say. yeah pixar yeah <laughs> yeah
1: for sure
0: now, what would you say this to an investor who doesn't like or doesn't play games, but is like, hey, I have this great game idea. How would you convince them?
1: Oh, so you're saying that they don't play games and they have. Yeah,
0: like the they game don't. Idea. They just want to know how they make more money.
1: They're I would still. Investor. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one thing you got to know your uh, where you're investing for sure. Yeah. Like if you're going to invest First in anything, of investing. Yeah, you got to know you can't go out of emotion. So I would tell them like. I'd be nice. I'd be nice. I'd be like, let me hear your idea, and then um, if it seems like a plausible idea that I can add something to it and actually make it pretty good, because you know you don't want to have like no rock unturned. Um, It'd be nice to hear them, but if it just sounds like, yeah, I want to make a World of Warcraft killer, and I'm like, have you played World of Warcraft? Have you played any game? No. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, like we could sign a contract and you can give me money, but if this doesn't work, you give me money. <laughs> but no, I played like, that game where the
2: main character is uh, Zelda is the name of the guy,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Guy. But you know, <laughs> here's another thing too, you could do instead of just like tuning them out, you could be like, okay, let me get you into games, let me get you here's some games, play some games, here, let me give you a game, I'll stew on your idea a little bit, see what I can come up with. And then here's some games for you. Go and play them. Uh, even if you say you suck at them, here's some casual games. Here's Angry Birds. Play them. <laughs> and then and then what I would want to ask the investor: What did you get out of the game besides you know just playing it? Did you like the design? I would ask them like actual questions as if like I'm teaching you know like a student or whatever like because I would want to know. And if they're, it depends on if they're interested enough, honestly, because like, if they come up with the idea, and they're just throwing it into my face, and they're like, here, you deal with it, just give me the money, then I'm going to be like, no, oh, I'm not going to work with you, because you're not passionate about it. You're all about the money. And you sound like a loot box person. So <laughs> so see, ya, you know, but no, you know, you. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You just gotta... But, you get. You're giving you
2: money. Money yeah, buys yeah. video games.
1: It's true. <laughs> you can buy true.
2: more games.
1: <laughs> the thing is, is you get more honey than you do with vinegar. So, like, if you want to get ahead in life, you gotta be able to, like, just deal with all different types of personality. Because when you go into the studios, even if they're a programmer or an artist... You might bump heads. You might bump heads and disagree because you got to think about it. it's a lot of creative people, a lot of people that have their own vision, a lot of people wanting to be Miyamoto, right? They won't say it. They won't say it, but ultimately, like when they get into that field, they wanna they wanna be something, right?
2: Nah, uh, some of them wanna be Kojima as well.
1: Oh yeah, Kojima, for sure. <laughs> I think he just, Kojima just wants to be like a director. He needs to get that out of his blood. He needs to go, direct a movie, and then come back to video games. I mean, I still love his video games. I played Death Stranding, and I loved it, but at the end, I was like, am I stuck in purgatory? Like, it was like 45 minutes or something. But, uh, anyways. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, that game, I love that game. I, I loved it, I loved it. It a was of
1: mixed. Good. Yeah.
0: yeah but it's, well, that- it's interesting how he Game designed the game where he was like people feel alone, but they're actually like there's someone around you. Like you can say hello, and then hear in a distance a hello back. Or if you leave a ladder, there's a ladder, and it's like I'm not alone. And any action I take can help other people. Exactly,
1: cool. and think of think of like the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Everything was so like. Everything was layered. Everything had a purpose. Yeah. So that was what was really cool about it. So. Like everything had a meeting. And that's how I <laughs> always, honestly, your listeners right now, if uh, I think Sutra might have it or something like that, type in uh, game design documents, uh, Sutra, And I think they have like an article where it's like past game design documents. And you'll see from other companies how they do it. And one of them was um, Kojima. On Metal Gear Solid 2 and his game design document is so like micro like everything had a purpose everything had a reason and you see it and you're like wow it's really cool so yeah check into that stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Now near the end what would you say to people who get like stuck like, in programming and game design or just in their like journey and how would you guide them out of there?
1: I would say well first of all take a break you know, mm-hmm. if, if something is kind of like uh, you're stuck on something, go move on to another portion of the game design. Um, you know, like, say, like, if you're having writer's block, right, and you can't think of something, well, then, like, you know, stop a little bit and then go on to the next part of your writing, right, that you can just finish out and it might pop into your head. Uh, go outside, go mingle with friends, um, because it's a creative process, right? So... You don't want to, like, force it because then you're just going to burn out. So you want to kind of just, like, let it come natural. And sometimes you are in crunch time and you have a deadline and everything like that. I understand that. Um, So you got to probably, like, you know, talk to some of your your companions, some other people that are working with you. Uh, When it comes to programming, dude, just, like, instead of beating up your computer or beating your head up against the wall, just take a break. Just take a break. Go somewhere. Maybe watch some other people that are in the same boat as you. You know, like uh, if you're learning about A star algorithm and you have no idea what Euclidean distance is, you know, type it in Google. That's what yeah. it's there for. I see. No, but uh, for real though, like if anybody is really stuck on anything, it doesn't hurt to just go and peek behind the curtain, get some ideas, and then come back and then start over again and play it and that's that's just what it is it's an iteration it's scrum it's agile development it's a it's a process that you're going to have to continually loop through until you're you're ready enough to be like okay let's go it's going out to the world and some some game designers have that luxury you know like you have um you know you have kojima right uh yeah. you have miyamoto and stuff like that but even that the investors are going to be the publishers they're going to be the ones that are going to say like hey this is a deadline you got to you got to push it out there and sometimes, you know, it sucks. And another thing too, I don't know if I could say this on here. It might be very, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say this version of it, but <laughs> sometimes you got to kill your idea, right?
4: Yeah.
1: Okay. So sometimes your idea is dear and near to you. It's like something you have to have in your game and it's absolute must. If it's not working and you're, you're stuck on this for now two weeks and you haven't decided, I mean, two weeks is pretty long for, uh, I mean some of the sprints that you could have. But uh if you're stuck on it, you gotta just kill it. You gotta just be like, okay, it's not working. This idea is gone. So it's kiboshed. Let's let's figure out something else, you know? Mm-hmm. So you know, like if you're playing like a massively RPG game and you're like, Oh, I want a super smart AI inventory system that just knows my character and what they want. So when they go to the marketplace, it will like have a certain percentage of like how much those items cost and it'll like show it. just like in the real world. Right. So like when they're going in, they're like, oh, I need a big claymore. And it's like, oh yeah, this shop owner has a claymore, how it knew it, because based on your inventory, you played it a lot. So now it pops up in the shops and maybe it's like a higher price. Right. That's a good game idea right there. Yeah, there uh, but the thing is, is if it's not working, if you're stuck on it and the code is just absolutely not working. Then just move on. Just like whatever, it still works. It's not going to break the game. Come up with a regular system. It's fine.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not only for programming things. Like if you're trying to fine tune an idea to make it fun,
1: some things will
2: never be fun.
1: <laughs> exactly. There's um. There's a website. Oh, I forget his name, but uh, he has a thing like eight. Eight things of eight fun games. Let me let me actually look for it. Yes, it's a. Sure. Uh, but it's kind of interesting as game designers because I have some teachers like there's no such thing as fun, there's no such thing as luck. Everything's designed. Like if you look at Pokemon, that thing is super designed. Like if you're getting like a gold thing, you bet you just hit the lottery, you know, on that one. Um, I love Pokemon. when I was younger,
0: I could play it all day, every day. But Pokemon Go, I haven't even touched it—not once.
1: My
2: first Game Boy, I had when I was nineteen.
1: <laughs> okay. This is this is the one right here. So it's uh, by Mark LeBlanc. Uh, it's called, cool. yeah, it's called Eight Kinds of Fun Game Design. And that's actually pretty cool because it talks about sensation, game as a sense pleasure, like VR, right? Fantasy, you're in a fantasy world. You're in World of Warcraft narrative. You're in uh, Detroit Become Human. You have to decide whether to not kill the suspect or not. Um, challenging ob- obstacle courses, whether it's like those things. so. Each one of us falls in these categories. There is even, like, a um, a thing you can do. Uh, it's a survey where it's, like, the four types of players. You have, like, the explorer, the murderer, uh, the achiever, the social. I'm trying to think of that one, but that's, that's one that you can find out yourself. It's actually a quiz you can take. I think it's, like, the Bartles test. Bartles test. Um, that's actually kind of cool, too. So, yeah. Uh, so, like you were saying, like, if you're going to... If you're stuck on a game design or an art or anything, just go and look for other resources. If you're playing if you're making a World War II game and you're stuck on something, go watch a World War II movie. Go watch a World War II documentary. You know, get some ideas from there. If you're trying to make it sci fi, go watch Alien. Go watch, you know, like look at what has worked in the past, like movies and books and stuff like that, and draw from them and see how you can gamify it. Make it juicy. You guys ever heard make of that terminology? Juicy. No. Oh, make man. It make that it was like Yeah, so um, like it's <laughs> It's like, I've got this water bottle, right? How can I make it mm-hmm. juicy more appealing, you know? So there's a whole talk about it. I think it was on a TED talk or something like that. These game designers were talking about it, making it juicy. So, yeah.
0: Making it juicy, okay. That'll be the, my new motto. Making it juicy.
2: <laughs> yeah, you really? want to get shifty.
0: Swifty. <laughs> Oh, no. Get that shawarma. Is this shawarma sauce?
1: Ah, oh, dude, don't even talk about it. I'm hungry right now. <laughs> Same.
0: Same. Uh, so we do a challenges here at GameDevTV for all the courses, and we want you to come up with a challenge for all the podcast listeners. It could be anything. Oh, okay.
1: Think so, of? Yeah. Could be so you're saying like... So
0: you're like, saying
1: like... Go yeah,
0: basically like, hey, you guys maybe go play a game and then change the game mechanic, anything like that.
1: Oh, yeah. Help. OK. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like I said, for your beginners uh, earlier on in the podcast um, for like, say, take a game like I took Scotland Yard uh, mm-hmm. and we ended up like make, taking a mechanic and adding to it and seeing if it worked. And, you know, just go through that iteration process, see if it makes the game better, if it sucks, if it breaks the game, just do that. Uh, work with something that's already tangible, that's already there. Uh, if you want to change up the theme of Scotland Yard, instead of being like Sherlock Holmes and it's more modern, do that. You know, if you're more narrative and you want to build off something like that, yeah, create some new characters, uh, some unique uh, attributes that those characters have. Even take Magic the Gathering, you know, cr- look at a card and say like, how can I make a card that fits in this world with flavor text, you know, and it still works in my deck? So that would be a great one right there. Is like um, doing that, and for your advanced people. I would say, look around your house. Like I said, look around your house, find something, and try to make a game out of it. See how you can make a game out of it. You could probably make a game out of anything. And who knows? Maybe we'll see it on a YouTube challenge or something like that. So, there you go. but
0: yeah. Or game um, Jam, yeah.
1: Game Jam. And then another thing too, when you're designing a game that will help you guys out is know your audience. So if you're wanting to design a kid kid's game, you know, Make sure it's geared more towards them. Uh, if you want to do more adult theme, you know, do that. Whatever. So that's my challenge. Make uh, make a game based off that. Okay. And then for, for art, I guess if you want to do art, um, yeah, I'm not an artist. I suck at it. But if you want to do art, um, try to take a character, a known character that you have, and put them in different styles. That's that seems to be kind of a cool thing, like uh, mm-hmm. anime or. Cartoon or realistic or whatever comic book style, so uh, that would be a cool challenge, right there. Oh, I like that challenge!
0: But yeah, awesome, those are good, for great challenges. Make sure you listeners pause the video and uh, do the challenges and leave it in the uh, Facebook community group. But yeah, it was a what was the movie called?
1: It's called uh, That Indie Game Movie, it's that on Indie Amazon. Game. Prime. Indie Game the Movie, yeah, Indie Game uh, the, Indie movie. Game,
2: the yeah. movie, all
1: right, yeah, and they have another one too, I think they have another one. Uh, but that one's free on Amazon Prime, and it might be on Netflix. I'm not sure, so you'll okay. have to check that.
2: Yeah, I saw but, it like four years ago. I don't know where. Yeah, no, I that's seen what it.
1: that's what they showed us in class.
0: Did it like change your perspective on everything?
1: Uh, it was more like shit. This is this is definitely what happens. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Except it did change the perspective on how you gotta protect yourself. You know, like mm. uh, when you're working with people. It's good to work with them and everything like that, but you just gotta make sure that when you're signing a contract that you don't get screwed. Because like one of the guys, he had like intellectual contract, and he could not. He went to the uh, the NDK'd or whatever to show off his game, mm-hmm. and he basically couldn't do it because his partner wasn't there, and his partner was shafting him. And if he were to show the game without his permission, his partner could sue him. So it's like, yeah, d- watch it. It's an eye opener. It's really All an right. eye opener. So, yeah. All right. You guys need to go eat. I know you need to probably go sleep. And- <laughs>
0: yeah, the- I'm in into- the air- pleasure having you on. We'll yeah. You my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. learned so much. And I think got a lot of gems for the students. And, um, we just like to hand the mic to you to end it off. If you want to do a shout out, inspiration, tips, whatever you
1: want. Oh no. <laughs> on. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to say thank you guys very much. First of all, for picking me in this podcast, I feel very honored and blessed that you guys gave me this platform to talk to you guys. It was really nice meeting you guys. Um, I guess the shout outs would be just uh, to the New York Film Academy in Los Angeles, uh, all of the game designers that worked their butts off and helping us out in the new cohort. Um, also, uh, unfortunately, the art institute that I went to went debunked, but all the teachers that were there, all the programmers, the game designers, and they really helped us and they um uh, They really taught me a lot and I can't name them all but uh, I want to say thank you guys very much for that and I hope that all everybody's staying safe and having fun go play a video game (laughs) awesome yeah stay home save the world (laughs) <laughs> yeah, come up with the next MMORPG wow game, guys. Yes! <laughs>
0: well, that's it. Thanks for listening. You can find all Game Dev.tv courses at courses.gamedev.tv/courses or in the show notes with a 10% discount. Get started with your game development journey today.